everyone and welcome to Comics from the Multiverse episode 124. <laughs> this is a DC Comics podcast. Sorry, I am... did you say 124? I think so. Sorry, 204. Two, two, <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I was so concerned about getting the last digit right that I completely buzzed up the first two. <laughs> it's okay, I just realized next week is June. Yes. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's okay because most of us are still in March. Yes, most of us yeah. have not escaped March yet. Uh, uh, I'm waiting for hockey to come back. It feels like it should be October. I had the realization that for my 35th birthday, I'm not going to have hockey this year, and that's going to suck. Oh, no. Like, yeah, Whatever. 2020 can go to, right to hell, <laughs> but it would just go back to where it is because it is hell. <laughs> anyway, yes, I'm Peter. Joining me, as always, uh, complaining about hockey is Matt. Yeah, uh, the end is nigh. Uh, Connor's also here. Yeah, our sports should be coming back. I can, I can watch snooker soon. That'll be nice. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, out of all the sports that had to stop, like, happening because of everything going on, I feel like snooker and pool are the two where the crowd is so silent anyway, you could have just had them play it and record it. Oh, yeah, it's it was more about, okay, well, the players still get close to each other right. and you got the ref. And, you know, so it was more about their protection rather than the crowd. Even when it comes back, it's there's not going to be a crowd. Yeah, but less so that, like, compared to other sports, like, it's not like other sports where you're tackling each other on, on like, uh, the field or the rink or whatever. No, but there's a lot of close proximity to, you know, you get right down next to the table and you're yeah. breathing quite yeah, okay. close to that. Golf still seems pretty safe. Yeah. I like yeah, to play golf. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I don't get it. I have friends of mine that love golf, and I'm just like, I, why? It, well, maybe because here it's so hot, maybe... Wherever they play, it's not as hot, but like it is, uh, and I'll, I'll convert it to to the real to, numbers. Yeah, to your guys' real numbers. Yeah, Celsius. Um, right now it, it's thirty-five degrees Celsius here. That's um, that's hell. <laughs> that, yeah, that's ten more than it is right now, and I'm already feeling miserable. So <laughs> that's yeah. just yeah. wonderful so, news. And, and it's still early here. It's it's going to get hotter. It was whatever. 108 equates to you guys, so I'll put uh, that somewhere in the 40s. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's in the 40s, which, hell no, hell no. Uh, yeah. So, well, that's what, that's what you get for being in the desert. It's basically my... No, I know. That's, you sound like my football coach. When you go, coach, it's hot. <laughs> we live in a desert. What do you expect, snow? So, and I get it, but at the same time, after being trapped inside for two months, for, for Mother Nature to turn up the oven, uh, yeah, it's just yeah. cruel. They were so, all... You guys yeah. can come outside. Not really. We we are a country that hates both ends, even mildly. Like if you're getting to, to thirty, we're like, nah, this is too hot. But yeah. if you're getting to to, to, to freeze it to snow, nah, nah, we, yeah, the country grinds so hot, it's a mess. We can't we can't cope with either end. Yeah, oh. luckily it's mildly somewhere in the middle most of the year, so that's why we hate both the extremes. Yeah, yeah, but anytime it hits them, it's it's terrible. Yes. See, and and my brother and and where he lives in Maui, it, it's technically a desert because they don't get a lot of rain. So he gets higher temperatures plus the humidity. So it'll it'll be about the same as it is here, but with the humidity cranked up because he's in the middle of the ocean. Uh, mm. And he doesn't like to hear about the complaining either. So it's a, it's a lose-lose yeah. on my end. Although, to correct Connor, you should use a plural there. Countries, not our country. Uh, we do not live in the same <laughs> country. A, Thank uh, you very much. Uh, <laughs> I, I was taking the, the standard English approach. Thank you very much. It is uh, widely accepted. Uh, yes, uh, below a certain line in the border, yes. Uh, so, that is... Uh, that certain line being, 
England. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, maybe I love that James James believes that Wales doesn't actually exist and it's just a practical joke. <laughs> that would explain a lot of their words. Yeah, it's just a practical joke that they don't actually know what they're saying. They just speak a gibberish language to make people not talk to them, which I fully understand. Uh, so, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite theories. So technically, I mean, really, it's just, you know, really one country. I'm, I'm with Connor on this. Shut your face. Uh, if, if, if any border needs a wall. <laughs> well. <laughs> it's named after Hadrian. <laughs> it used to be reinforced, damn it. It used to be yeah, twice go, as tall. Go, go, back, go back a couple of thousand years to, to the Roman occupation. You had a very well garrisoned wall. Twi twice as thick, twice That's as tall. The natives overran and let nature reclaim. So it wasn't yeah. that great, Connor. I mean, it was until uh, until the the Roman Empire uh, collapsed from within, I, and they went, ah, screw it. Hey, I've seen Centurion. Uh, <laughs> I, I know what happened. A bastion uh, of historical accuracy. I'm yes, sure. yes, with uh, McNulty from The Wire, and I think Fassbender was in there. And, and Paul Frees, uh, who's Belloc, and Ivan Ooze. Oh, okay. I'm glad you told me who that was because I'm like, I don't know who that yeah. is, Matt. You're gonna yeah, have to give me some context. <laughs> yeah. Wait, was it Balak or was it Ivan Ooze? Ivan Ooze. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, I'm a connoisseur. Uh, yeah. True. Yes. Anyway, this is a DC Comics podcast. Believe it or not. Uh, yeah. after that opening five minutes, but uh, we do talk about DC Comics, and coming up on this week's show, we will be talking about the following books, and we're kind of back to a normal amount, believe it or not. Uh, we have Justice League 45, The Flash 754, Aquaman 59, Suicide Squad number 5, Supergirl 41, which of course is digital only. Uh, I did actually ask Matt before this, did you read Terrifics, Matt? I did not. Did not. Even though I was tempted by Mandat and, and Blue Beetle on the cover, I just didn't. I also did not. That was a casualty of the gap. Uh, but it was, I mean, it was kind of on this weird shaky ground anyway, because I kind of caught up but didn't. I jumped back in and for a couple issues. And got three issues left at, at yes. the end of it now. So, oh, of course. So, yeah, scratch terrifics from the schedule, but it was out this week. Uh, Basketball Heads number seven, so that's wrapping up. We got uh, the penultimate issue of the Lolo Woods with issue five. And then uh, I suppose if anyone's read some any digital first, they have a quick section just chat about those. And then uh, me and Carl have got a couple of Patreon books. Uh, Carl's going to be talking about Severed Issue 2, and I'm going to be talking about American Vampire Issue 7. So it's a bit of a Scott Snyder horror uh, double at the end of the show. So that is what is coming up on this week's episode, uh, which is 204, just uh, for the record. You that. Uh, before we start uh, with the news, though, I, I will take this time, because I, I should have said this at the start of last week's show rather than the end. Uh, promote it properly, because I know a lot of people just turn things off when it starts to get to the, the plugs section of the show. So... There's a new YouTube channel uh, from us, which is simply called Comics from the Multiverse. Now, if you watch the show on YouTube, you're still getting the full episode, although previously in the multiverse is changing slightly when it comes to the video version. The audio version is staying the same. But what the new channel is, it's basically just the cut-up version of the show where each of the reviews are on their own little video that will be, you know, anything from 8 to 20 minutes long, depending on what comic book it is. And there'll be, there'll be in playlists and things like that. So you'll get individual releases of the various reviews. So if you want to go over there and support it and sort of check it out and look at things, uh, I do plan over a long period of time going back and actually working through all the old episodes and putting them all up individually. But that'll, that's a long project that'll sort of take place gradually. But the new stuff is going up. Uh, previously, is going up from the start since there's been only 10 episodes out of that. Uh, all the episode 11's out this weekend. It's actually going to be out the same day as this because that's just the way the dominoes fell. But... 
so go check out the comments for the Multiverse YouTube channel. Uh, but uh, the main show is still going to be on Melfast TV for now. Uh, it might move at some point, but the full show will still always be there, and uh, the audio version's the same as it always has been. So uh, go and have a, have a look at that. But yes, so let's talk about this week's DC news. Uh, nothing earth-shattering sort of on their own, but there's definitely enough little things. There's this whole batch here that I'm just going to call the cancellations and conversions to digital, and I'll, they're all kind of in separate articles, so I'll just kind of work through them here one by one. The biggest one, I think, that's probably the most disappointing for us personally, I know Matt's going to be upset about this, is the cancellation, the outright cancellation of the Kate Spencer Manhunter series, the miniseries that was coming up. Yep. I like yeah. how he said you know, Matt was disappointed by it. When, when, when this news broke out of us, I, I was the first reaction was very disappointed by it, and, and uh, you just completely brushed over me there. Because it's related to everything Bendis is doing. Why, why would you be the first one that comes to mind? I mean, I don't know. Because Bendis wasn't writing it? Yeah, I can see where it's coming from. However, we just got Manhunter back, and we we're going to get a cool series explaining what the hell has been going on, and now it's gone. Thanks, Pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's just outright cancelled. It was uh, the, the, the retailers got, got all this information in the last couple of days. This was one of the big headlining elements. After that, though, we have the cancellation. Now, this is not stuff that's super important in terms of what it is, but notable that they're cutting a lot of things that they don't feel they need to be pushing out there, and that is actually a bunch of facsimile editions, those those cheap reprints of the older issues. I won't read what they all are, but there was a bunch scheduled that were all set to come out yeah. in the next few yeah. months. I don't think any retailers were too bothered by these ones in particular, because, uh, well, I've seen retailers say, no, they, these do sell, only in you know to walk-ins no one's ordering these yeah that's just hey if they're there they might pick it up but and there's not facsimile editions i can't imagine there's a lot of people just walking in and browsing right now so it probably doesn't make that much of a difference no and and that's kind of what that um that shop owner was saying was like this doesn't impact them that much like they were cool to have on the shelf i know my shop uh when they started coming out they were just doing the reprints they would sell them as a like a bunch during like sales it's like free comic book day sales or the holiday type stuff you could get like a thing of them for five bucks right and then that covered theirs so oh yeah they're cool to have but yeah and then sort of going on from there a bunch of those giants that were coming out uh are going digital only uh so you got titans giant issue two flash giant issue five swamp thing giant issue five uh, Teen Titans Go slash DC, DC Superhero Girls Special Giant Issue 1. These were all meant to be giants that were coming out. Wonder Woman 1984 Giant was another one. Uh, they're all going digital only, so that, these are kind of following the vein. What was interesting about the wording of this is that they said they would reprint stories digitally at some point in the future, mm. not just, oh, we'll throw giant number two up as an entire thing. Mm-hmm. So I suspect they'll just cut the stories out and throw them into the digital first line. Yeah, th- that's more likely what's how this is going to happen. Uh, so that's that again it's not stuff that we typically cover that much or talk a lot about but it's just it's noting that there's a lot of stuff right now all this smaller stuff at the bottom of the solicits that we don't yeah. spend much time and, on and some of this is including um gail simone's flash that we've been you know talking about mm-hmm. uh because that's one of the flash giant five is uh is gail simone's stuff so and it's the same with uh russell's uh swamp thing so these are yep. kind of just continuations of where those were I yeah, I, if I was to guess here, I would say that they're not really commissioning much new stuff like this right now. It's just the stuff that happened to already be completed is going to get to finish out digitally as a digital first series, as opposed to 
you know, I, I, you know, rather than they've cancelled the physicals of these, but they still want to keep making them. And maybe they will eventually make that choice, but I don't think right now that's what they've done. I think right now they're like, okay, we've got all this stuff ready to go. Let's start putting it out digitally so, it's, yeah. so we're doing something with it. I'd, uh, I'd love to know how these digital ones are selling, like, you know, what their internal metrics are looking like for these, because I have to imagine there is some appeal to them being only, you know, a dollar and oh, sure. getting a reasonable amount of content for them. Yeah, no, I think because these are actually essentially full issues or close to in, in the traditional comic book format. They're, they're kind of between 15 and 25 pages, depending on which yeah. one you buy. But because yeah. they're in the traditional comic book format, I think because of that and only a dollar, they, they feel really, val- you know, good value for what they are. So I suspect that, and given this whole digital first push in the recent month, because we've been building up without any comic books for a little while, I wonder like how much of a spike there was in comicsology for sales of digital first books. Like, you know, were people desperate? I mean, we were reading a bunch, and we don't typically read that many digital first books. Yeah. That said, this was a lot more than on offer than there usually is. So, uh, it's hard to sort of, you know, isolate exactly what the what the figures are. But hey, uh, and then we also have some more cancellations again. Some of the smaller stuff. This is the uh, the stuff based on was it. Rooster Teeth. Thank you. Stuff. Yes. yes. I, I didn't know though. I this, to... um, this was a particular shitty instance because this is the, the final issues of Ruby and Genrock. Oh no. Uh, and these were both digital first though. So the first six issues of these have already been sold. People who waited for the print versions have bought six out of the seven di- uh, physical issues and then the seventh is just never going to happen. That's... That seems way worse than the people who collected, like, you know, Terrifics and then, okay, well, the story mm-hmm. finishes out there. Like, this is people who waited to have that choice, to have the print single issues, and then lose, the, just not getting the final one. Yeah, and, and this especially, because it seemed to be catered to a specific fan. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but it's so, also not surprising that these two things are probably some of the lowest-selling books that DC sell. They probably are. I yeah. think it's a shame that there's only one issue left of each. They didn't just go... Fine, we'll finish them off. Yeah, uh, I, I, I guess because with these new printers, these no, not new printers, but new distributors, the I guess, I guess trimming things at the size whilst the, the new distributors get used to the demand. Yeah, and the, I the, mean, the amount. You, you kind of act like that was a little bit of a flub there, but new printers could actually be a large part of it as well. It they are be, moving yeah. to different print uh, warehouses. Uh, those printers are running on reduced capacity and staff, so I mean that may well have an impact. It may very well, yeah, uh, but I mean. Because we know that the new distributors said they weren't taking on any more comic, you know, pu- uh, publishers because they didn't know if they could, you know, keep up with the demand and the amount of supply that they're going to have to fulfill. Mm. So it makes sense that even with DC, they're maybe limiting slightly by cutting some of these smaller books that, you know, were about to end anyway, which is partly more frustrating in a lot of ways. Like, well, they were about to end anyway, just put out the last one or two. I mean, when it comes to Supergirl, you know, we had 41 this week and 42 is the last issue and these last two are digital only. Part of you goes... Just put one double-sized issue then. Just put, put them together and yeah. do one. Just mm. and put it out as a one thing. Just so it's done. But, yeah, hey. That's what it is. So, that's uh, Ruby 7 and Genlock. Issue 7, uh, the print versions have been cancelled. And then, going further with cancellations and digital-only uh, ideas, uh, DC's House of Whispers. Here. Uh, Sam and Universe title House of Whispers were... Uh, prepare themselves for the series' upcoming end with issue 22. So again, that was already known to be ending. Uh, but now DC is in for a copy retailers that the final two issues won't be released in print, favouring digital only releases. There will be a trade collection later, at some point. 
but the failed two issues will not be in print, only digital. So that's kind of more like the Supergirl and Terrific situation where they're just not doing the last couple in print. So, uh, and again, you have to imagine this is probably one of the lower selling books overall for DC, just because it is this niche book that's a part of the Sandman mm-hmm. corner as opposed to one yeah, of the big superheroes. Yeah, and it was, say, it was ending and uh, cancelled feels a little unfair because 22 issues for a book like that isn't terrible by any means. Uh, that's a reasonable run um, for that type of book. Um, but 22 issues, yeah, I mean, it was already solicited to be cancelled anyway. Um, so it was not not the end of the world, I guess, for, for that book. Yeah, and then somewhat connected to that, uh, Lucifer, also kind of part of the Sandman universe. Uh, so the last issue, 18, was released on March 18th. Uh, 19 to 24 will be released directly as a collected edition, uh, or in this case, as an original graphic novel. So this is actually a complete thing where maybe because they happen to just luckily be at the end of an arc, they're deciding to just go straight to a trade for the, the, the next six issues. I'm really glad that they went, no, we'll give you a final trade, you know, a full final arc, because they could have just gone, eh, we'll just leave it at 18, tough shit, right? Um, uh, that would have been a, an easy call for them to make if they'd wanted to, but I guess um, Lucifer, maybe it was selling well enough, maybe... Um, maybe the trades as a rule sell quite well because of the connection to the you know, the, the previous series and stuff that well yeah maybe maybe went, yeah. maybe the single issues didn't sell well but the trades did okay and that's why this decision was made it could just be a happenstance of that most of it was done it neatly was at the start and end of it because this is the thing all these other books that are going digital only are getting their final trades the awkward part is the fact that the people who were collecting the single issues now already have what half of those trades are going to be <laughs> so it's got yeah. this weird overlap to it whereas this, this is more this neat isn't so bad if you if you look at it as oh well it's a trade of 19 to 24 and you're not getting those in single issues if you've been collecting so far that feels a little weird but if you think of it as it was an 18 issue series and then a graphic novel at the end that's not completely unheard of to have you know, a, a companion OGN it's, with, it's with easier a to it's easier to swallow. It feels neater than any of these yeah. other things. Again, a, a, a lot of this feels like well, it's better than not having the things at all, which is you know where I kind of come down on it. It just is obviously really messy that it is just these one or two last issues in most cases. But well, there you go. That's Lucifer. So that's yeah. uh, all of the cancellations oh, yeah. and whatnot. Well, it just seems to me like they're going through their lowest selling and just calling them yeah. you know like it's costing them more to print them and ship them and you know the, the shops are even and i don't think everything's returnable right most so most doesn't it's yeah yeah so so it just sits there and like it kind of sucks because like i'd love my issues right so but at the same time it's only reinforcing like hey maybe you don't need to read as many physical books you know, like, I want to support my shot, but if they're only carrying the big, big titles, it's easier just to get the smaller ones on digital. And sometimes you want to support the smaller ones more because they are the smaller books. Yeah, right. And they need your help more. But mm-hmm. um, So, and then the next thing here is, uh, I mean, this, this article I've actually got up is, uh, is DC blaming Diamond for this, but the, the main part mm-hmm. of the story here is that there was more books that were delayed at the Diamond level in terms of uh, books that were supposed to be coming out on certain dates and get pushed back a little bit. Most of them are trades, admittedly, uh, but there is a few major single issues that, that are here. Uh, Aquaman 59 being a major one, which we're talking about this week, but Diamond aren't actually getting it out to stores apparently until 
June 2nd next week. Yeah, I think there was a Flash issue. Was yeah, Flash 754, which again, also this week. And then Batman The Outsiders number 12, which we already talked about, I'm sure, uh, just came out this week for from Diamond, where obviously it was supposed to be May 20th with all the other DC books that were catching up. From the, yeah, because the there was a whole slate of things on May 20th that were pushed to this week instead. I think we spoke about that last week briefly. Yeah, uh, and then a bunch of trades, which I won't get into, but there was about five trades, five or six trades that were pushed as well. Uh, from June 2nd to 9th, uh, pretty much all of them, barring one, which was maybe June 9th anyway. So I don't even know why it's this in the list. Why is it there? <laughs> I think it delayed, technically, so, but whatever. Anyway, uh, so... Yeah, they're all, they're all, obviously all the books are available digitally, and they're available... <laughs> at stores who were getting them, I think, from other sources, from the other distributors. They are, although I know um, with regards to Aquaman, um, DC actually asked the, uh, the, um, the other distributors to, you know, leave, pass along a note to the retailer, said, hey, can I don't sell this one until next week? Even though they put out on Comixology for this week. They did, uh, which is why we we're talking about it, because that's where I read it. Yeah, they put it out on Comixology, uh, so this is the release date. Yeah. But because Diamond messed up, DC were like, hey, guys, do you guys mind not selling it till next week either? And stores have basically just not listened. Yeah, uh, they actually didn't uh, say anything more in depth. They just said that DC has put out an official statement to retailers saying that Diamond is responsible for the issues and delays. And that's it. It was just really point blank. And it, and it almost feels like... <laughs> this is like, the worst breakup happening in public. I, I, I kind of love it. Do you know what it feels like? It feels like now they don't have to rely on them. DC aren't pulling punches. They're just going to be blunt. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I was reading an article on Newsarama um, the other day about... Um, they were uh, interviewing uh, Steve Geppi, who's the, you know, the the owner of Diamond, about, you know, why, sh- why should Diamond, you know, be the, be the primary distributor in 2020, given this scenario? And he was like, well, if you go back 25 years before us, it was a mess. We've provided so much consistency. You know, these these upstarts, they're just going to get in the way, essentially. <laughs> I'm like, eh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it was a mess. I mean, I don't know, I, I can't get too specific about it because I wasn't really paying attention to comics at the time. Uh, I was also a child. <laughs> but, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> from, history. <laughs> from everything I've heard about it, yeah, it was a mess before then, and Diamond kind of saved things, and we needed that that kind of singular place to sort of get us through a rough time. But I don't necessarily think having two or three competitors now is such a bad idea. No, my my favorite quote from this article, I'm just going to read from, from Geppi. Again, remember, this is the owner of Diamond. Some people complain about all the eggs being in one basket. But if it's a solid basket, it's fine. <laughs> that That is something Michael Scott would have said on The Office. Yeah, right? but it's a really good basket. So it, it, it yeah. like, we're not abusing the system. We were investigated by the government to not be a monopoly. We are benign and good for the industry. I'm like, okay, if you say so. Look, yeah. What do you mean? Like, that's what I said. said. What do you mean? Investigated. Quiet part out loud. Yeah, I didn't know they were being investigated yeah. by the government. Investigated by the <laughs> government to not be a monopoly. But if you're the only one that is this, then you by default have a monopoly, right? Well, even so, like. <laughs> At least here in, in the States, though, there can be monopoly, monopolies that are considered for the, the public good or whatever, if, like, they're the only ones doing it, right? So, like, I know when Teddy Roosevelt was president over 100 years ago, um, he was busting up all these trusts, but he would allow certain ones to still exist. So, like, he broke up the railroads but kept, like, Standard Oil, which ended up causing problems later. So, you know, let's look at history and think, 
And maybe this wasn't a good idea, but again, I did not know they were being investigated. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if that's recent though. That may that might be the, the, the context of what he yeah, says. It just says we were. Yeah, that could have been twenty years that, ago. <laughs> that could have been near when they, you know, when they started and were taking yeah. over. Yeah. So, yeah. Oof. I, so yes, we're, DC are not pulling punches when it comes to talking about Diamond anymore because they don't need to. They've got two other sources uh, for yeah. getting their books out. So, and that's yeah, good. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. see. So it'll be interesting to see once things calm down a lot because it feels because it's because I'm correct if I'm wrong, but DC seem to be sticking with these new uh, distributors, right? Um, at least until the end of you know August. We don't know after that. Yeah, but um, I, I remember saying the exact same last month. We know that with them till the end of July, but we don't know anything after yeah, that. But here yeah, we are again. We've got another month. That's so, very true. So it could just be next time we get solicits. Oh, it's still on Tuesday, I guess. They're still with these new people because mm. Diamond don't do Tuesdays. Uh, they really hate Tuesdays for some reason. I mean, Tuesday is a straight day. I always hate Tuesdays. I was, uh, it's always been one of the worst days of the week. I, well, I, I like it now because then I wake up and there's new comics. So Oh, yeah, it's, it's better now. Because that yeah. was new comics. I thought about but... Tuesdays. Do, do you know what it is? It's a personal thing, but I, when I was in my second year of high school, my worst day for timetable, it might, like all my least favorite classes and teachers were all yeah. gumped, you know, he's, bunched he's together on a Tuesday. He's discussed this before. I don't know if he discussed it here, but I remember him talking about this. My, my worst... Because my, my math teacher that I had later in high school, I liked quite a bit, but the, the teacher I had that year, I despised, and then I had German right after, and I hated German. It was... I hated Tuesdays. Tuesdays. School, my, my school Tuesdays over there is so different. Pretty, pretty good. I, Tuesdays in my school were the same for every year. Like the, the morning where they would do like this uh, citizenship class or whatever bullshit they called it. They, they changed the name of it like every two years. Um, and you know, yeah, don't get into it. It was a waste of time. Um, so it was, it was literally, oh, a waste of time. I'll talk to my friend for an hour. And then I would have... Um, music lessons like you know for whatever i had you know violin or steel band whatever i was doing that week and that would take up another hour or two out of other lessons um it would just be an excuse to hey don't go do religious studies go play an instrument instead and the teachers could do a thing about it so uh that it, it was always nice that first one sounds like life skills that's what we call it i'm sure i mean we probably called it life skills for a year at some point it was it was citizenship it was cpshe at one point i think it was oh that rolls right, right off the tongue called. Yeah, right off the yeah, tongue, that I, one. I honestly, I don't know how that acronym has stayed with me because I don't know what it stands for. <laughs> I have no idea. Anyway, um, so to but, get back to the, the I comics. Was say, for, for most of my high school, I had weight training first period, which was nice because you just got it out of the way, you know. <laughs> you say that as it. if everyone else does um, weight training in high school, man. I'm, I'm just saying. It was nice. You had weight training every day in high school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're on the football team, that, that was our... Our class together was weight training first period, so and it, and it sucked in the winter because it was really cold, and coach wanted you to That's run a, like it those, wasn't cold. Huge cultural differences between UK and American schools is, is school sports are not a thing here. Like you, you might have like yeah, oh, there'll be a soccer league or a basketball league, or right? Whatever. Intramural. That are just yeah. okay. Well, I've yeah, seen we'll, Harry we'll, Potter, we'll Connor. I know how it works, and that's it. Yeah, but I I don't know anyone who ever went to any of those games. If if they did even happen to you, I don't even know if they did. No, the games happened. There was never a crowd. It was just the people who played yeah. the other team. That that was it. It was never a crowd. No one cared. Yeah, no one gives a shit about how high schoolers are playing at football. The only people on the teams cared, and I mean, apparently they should care. They're they're the ones. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna play. But yeah, yeah. That's no one else. 
Yeah, never, never mind mascots and cheerleaders and a, a team name. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love it. Well, it's, it's always weird to me that your professional teams don't have a nickname. It's just like wherever FC. And now they're starting to do that with, with the soccer clubs here. Over here? Yeah, well, like... I'm cutting this I'm cutting this conversation here, right? Because this is just gonna keep going. Right? It's, it's, it's nullifying this here. This is one more I've been a wolf and a bear and it was great. There's one more bit of DC news. That sounds very homoerotic, Matt. I'm not gonna lie. Uh <laughs> but there's one more bit of DC news, and that is that there's a new uh, team on Catwoman starting with issue twenty five in September. Uh Ram V is gonna be the writer. With so artists, I it as Ram Five. I don't uh, care. I know it's Ram B. Fernando Blanco is going to be doing the art. Uh, so yeah, we're starting to get teases for September stuff, even though it's actually quite early for it's, that. It's really early for that. Um, usually we get these teases like the week before solicits. Um, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if there's a reason for that. I I wonder if they've got something planned for early June that they might get all this out of the way for first. Maybe. Um, there's no cons. With... It's not like there's a, a con to, to go to or anything like that. No. Don't no. remind no. us. Uh, <laughs> How was WonderCon, Matt? Did, um... Was WonderCon good? Uh, was, it, was it nice? <laughs> yeah. If, if we're going to play this, it was wonderful. I met Bendis. He gave me a hug because there was no <laughs> such thing as a pandemic. He, was, he let me rub his head. Like, I that's, couldn't believe it. That's, Top that's, 10 moments. That's called a bendy when he lets you rub his head. It is. It's great. Have you got a bendy? Uh, I've never had a bendy, but I've, I've often thought I'd enjoy it, Matt. I'd often yeah, thought I'd enjoy it. It was nice. Um... <laughs> He's been a wolf of beer and he got a bendy. Yeah, that's great. That's a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, I don't know if Cara has any other DC news that I, 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 do. I, I was missed. just going to say, on, on Ram V with Catwoman. Yes. Did do a two-issue arc. 14 and 15. That's true. So it was and, kind of maybe a bit of a test run for him. Yeah, and also has a story with Blanco in the Catwoman 80th, which might actually act as a lead-in now, now that we it know It might this. be, yeah. That makes sense. Which obviously, uh, we'll tell you at the end what's coming next week, but that's one of the things that's coming next week. We've got yeah. a Catwoman special, so. Um, I've got a couple of other little bits. One is uh, interesting. Um, DC are getting into webcomics. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw this. They public it's it's really short. It's like a ten panel story, but they they, they say they're going to do more of these, and it'll be like an ongoing thing. But this was on Instagram. It's Instagram exclusive, a Batman webcomic from Tynan, <laughs> and it's a punchline thing leading into the next issue of Batman. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, DC. I ain't reading the Instagram exclusives. You're just going to have to count yeah. that as irrelevant. You know that that's cool. Get get that younger generation like. I have an Instagram, but I am never on it. So um, I, I saw this, I and I was like, "Because it was linked to my Facebook." <laughs> yeah, and That's so, um, yeah, man, this is. At least I know that if I wanted to read it, it will always be there. Um, for now, so. Well, uh, until, until the social media wars of the twenty thirties happen, and then Instagram yeah. gets taken down. Yeah. No. <laughs> so. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, that, uh -oh. that is, uh, this is from the site that we don't usually like, but uh, and they're not you know listing where they're sourcing this information, but it's all about the Shazam solicits being shuffled around. Mm -hmm. Um, so Shazam twelve, which is out next week, has a whole new solicit. Um, it was by Jeff. It was a Jeff Johns issue with uh, Eagle Chum. 
it's now apparently a Jeff Loveness issue. And then <sighs> 12 has become 13, uh, essentially. So there's just like a, a random fill-in issue beforehand. Right, so the issue, but the issue I, that we're supposed to get is just back push back one. So it's not the end yeah, of the world. Yeah, there's more. Fourteen, okay. which is supposed to be a a, a loveness issue, is now a double sized Shazam issue, and that is apparently acting as the finale to Johns's run on it. And then fifteen, which will be solicited in September, is back to loveness, which is the one that was solicited as fifteen. Right, so John's is coming back to do a regular issue and then a double size sort of finale so, to so his story. He's doing issue thirteen, and then issue fourteen will be a double size finale, and that'll be the end of John's. That's story. what I just said. And, yeah, yeah, I'm just confirming. <laughs> right. Make it clear no, nothing confirm. against Loveness, but uh, that book's been such a mess in in shipping and whatnot. I feel like it's kind of tainted the Shazam. Like I want to say, I mean, IP. It really hasn't, but... <laughs> yeah, that's a bit extreme, Matt. It's, it's tainted the entire Shazam. It's, it's maybe made this run less, uh, you know, not the, the special thing you were hoping it was going to be when you found out and, John's was going to do a Shazam book, but I, I, yeah. I, I think say it's tainted the IP is a bit of a, an extreme statement. Yeah, I know, but it just... I was having a discussion with someone that hadn't seen Shazam and didn't realize there was a Shazam comic, because they were like, oh, it was really stupid that Shazam came out and there's no Shazam comic, and I was like, no, there, there, there was. It was just sure. delayed that much. It was just delayed, but, and and whatnot. So, I just, man, it's such a great thing too. And, um, the director, because they they announced that Henry Cavill's coming back as Superman. Like they've extended a deal for him to appear in, in some stuff going forward, or they're working on it. And uh, which I, F. Sandberg, which, honestly, I think it's more bad news than it is good. But continue. I well. For me, as someone that likes him as the image of Superman and what he's done... Well, is, is, I don't disagree with that, you know? but I, f- I feel like... Um, I mean, we're moving forward with a new Batman like entirely, right. and yet we're still right. sort of tying back to the, this previous shared universe in some small ways. And yeah, I'm okay just, in the sense... Just, just let me be happy. Do movies. Just stop worrying yeah. about shared universe. Just make a goddamn good movie. Right. And so, anyways, my point was David F. Sandberg said, here, I fixed it for you. And it was the the end of Shazam, where, where spoilers for people that haven't seen it yet, a year change. Uh, but there's a, a surprise cameo from Superman, but you never see his face. So he he <laughs> he really horribly photoshopped Henry Cavill's face on top of it in the in the blank space, and it was real silly. So um, Cavill always comes yeah. across as a as a really nice guy who gives a shit. Yep. About what he does. So, oh yeah. yeah. If they actually, fun. if they actually let him use his actual charm in the role, he'd actually yeah. probably make a good Superman. He's I, an incredibly charismatic. Fan. My, my my weird it's thing good. though is just I hear that some stuff's connected to the old stuff and some's moving on. Like I, I would agree, just give me good movies, but don't remind I me mean, of the bad stuff. Yeah, but hey. I mean, Wonder Woman's going to carry on because Wonder Woman's been yeah. performing well. And but Wonder Woman, but at the same time, they have that backdoor of technically her first appearance is a last appearance you know what i mean in the timeline for now so yeah for now so but, i mean you can who knows what they're going to do with the inevitable third one right well so, uh, we'll see we'll see what happens um did, did you guys see the picture of, of robbie bats uh it was a new one yeah well i don't know how new it is but a friend sent it to me and he, he really wanted to rage last night on it 
and I just tell him to calm down. Everyone gets pissed off over the first Batman image. But the more I looked at it, it was like one of those pictures where they're like, the more you look at it, the more it seems messed up. Right. And they start looking at it. It's, it was a side profile in the front of him and the, and the cowl. And it just looks weird. Um, I mean, I think he's a pretty good actor. I'm going to wait and see it in action before I really worry. Yeah. Just do, do me a favor and, and, and pull it up. Um, let me see if I can send it. Via... I, I'm looking. Is this not just the one that was in the red from that first teaser, or? No, no, no. There's a new one that came out. Hold on. I'll send it to you in our in our chat so you can get okay. a look. But I got, I got to. There's my friend. We had a long ta- a hockey discussion after that, so <laughs> I, I, I got to dig. I have to scroll through all the hockey talk to get to this this yes. image. Well, uh, my my hometown is getting a minor league hockey team, and they announced the the name of it. And and it it's just the Silver Knights, the Anderson Silver Knights, which very you know, uh, what was the word I'm looking for? Disappointing, I guess. Um, I mean, it's just when I Google Pattinson Batman and go to images, the first image is yeah. in the red, and the second image is is actually like a, a digital fan art thing. Yeah, it's just Photoshop stuff. Yeah. Unless this is what this is, but hold on, let me. It's not like me shirt. It makes me real mad. <laughs> Old man Matt tries to use internet. And... No, I am using it properly. It's just my phone wants to act like an a hole. Uh huh. It's it's sentient. All right, I just sent it. Now, I don't know if this is real or not. My friends. Oh, no, that's to think that's it was. that that's that fan art thing that we would me and Peter just okay. mentioned. Oh uh, yeah, that's, that's not real. Good. Yeah. I don't like. Basically, came down to I don't like that the cowl wasn't uh, connected, uh, and uh, Pattinson has way too round of a head to be Batman. If that's the case. Like I know that seems. You know, like, it shouldn't matter. But I looked up, like, every other Batman has a very square jaw. Like, even even Val Kilmer, for the most part. So, yeah. So if this is fan art, Pattinson cool. has quite the jaw on him. I know, but in that suit where it looks like the Daredevil, it, his head looks super round. So... <laughs> I mean, we're judging this off of fan art at this point, so... Right. Yeah. Yes. That was that was that was you know that that, that uh the looking in the fridge sort of thing and there's nothing there so the guy gets disappointed because away that gif. Uh or the it's effing nothing gif. I feel like the last two minutes was basically that where Matt brought up this thing. It was like, oh, this is just not real. This, <laughs> this there's nothing there's nothing here. Yeah. Alright, well I'm gonna now I'm uh, I don't care <laughs> if he's hungover, I am texting him and TL <laughs> <laughs> it just made you look like a tit on air. Yes. Oh, Silver... that's fine. I have no problem with that. You guys <laughs> should know that by now. Yeah, so... but usually it's at least your own fault. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, this is my own fault, but whatever. Yeah. I should have known when it didn't pop up in our group that, of course, he's fake Batman news. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I guess that wraps up the... Uh, yeah, that, that was news. all the news. You can yes. carry on there. Oh, excellent. Let's talk about comics then. Justice League issue 45. Uh, we have Robert Vendetti writing, of course, with Eddie Barrows on the art. And much like the last issue, a lot of double page spreads, a lot of nice big art uh, to look at. Like how Bar- Barrows is good. Yeah. But he's not. He's did, not uh, no, no, no. But Barrows did the Freedom Fighters with Vendetti. So you can tell they have a pretty good uh, working relationship. Um, mm-hmm. Does group stuff real well. Yeah. Uh, Plus, uh, just, honestly, kind of like him more than Manipul, but, you know, whatever. 
Do you have opinions? Weird, weird. Well, it's, it's the way Cara dismissed it as if no one would ever think that. I'm like, no, actually, I can't. I, I didn't say Manipal, I said Zamanico. He's comparing it to last issue. Are they Zamanico? To no, be fair, the, the, you just threw out Manipal. But Manipal had the cover last time we talked about this. Well, yeah, he has it this time as well. Yeah. I also well. Manipal anyway. Yeah, I looked at the Manipal. I haven't checked, but. You sure it's not Zamanico? This is now a new uh, Starfire thing. No, I really like Zermanico. Yeah. I love Zermanico's art. I actually would agree that Zermanico's better than Eddie Barrows. I concur with that statement. Uh, not, not enough monsters in this one. Way too much Justice League fighting. Sure. That's my quick take. I, I'm going to tell you what, what knocks this issue down a full point and a half immediately. Yeah. It is the repeated, and, and to the same with the format of the paneling, of yeah. Justice League member being beaten by another Justice League member, snapping out of the... the yeah. Rage for a moment, and then go. The Spectre is right, and uh, like three times. Yes. So to explain what's going on here, they're they're fighting the cliffhanger last issues that they've all been infected by the the influence of the Spectre, and they're all like airing their grievances and fighting each other, and they're kind of snapping out of it here or there, and like you say, it kind of repetitiously goes through. So there's basically three pairs because there's six of them here. And we have three pairs of fighting, and each one ends with the same thing, where one of them kind of snaps out for a second, and then Doubts is like, well, I shouldn't be doing this, and goes, no, Spectre was right. Uh, but there's a tease at the start that basically the idea here is that, unless I'm wrong here, but the way I read this is that Jim Corrigan intentionally pissed off the Amazons so they would trap him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so far, here's, here's my first thing with Venditti here, and I don't know if this is on purpose, so I'm going to withhold, like, counting it against it. But the Amazons are never that vehemently anti-men, right? Like, if someone showed up on their island, they're not like, death to the man, you know? They're just kind of like, how'd he get here? And so that didn't seem to ring true. In, like, nine out of ten Origins of Wonder Woman that I've read, they're kind of exactly like that with Steve Trevor, until Diana's like, no, don't do that. So, I don't know, it didn't seem that weird. I don't know. Just in, in the most modern retellings, they're kind of more passive. Like, they were pushed here because, and they're more, you know, like, I'm not counting Azarillos where they, they go out and get impregnated and then kill them. You know, they come back to the island. Not like that. But, but yeah, just that didn't seem to ring true. It just seemed off, but maybe that's part of it with Corrigan. Um, but, I don't know. The last time the Spectre became unbound to a human, we had big, huge events. Mm-hmm. around it. They, they have judgment, they have vengeance, and now this is just in a short arc of Yeah, so kind of kind of nerfing the Spectre here, uh, easy bit. Yeah, but I mean... I think I, the, way I'm, the way I'm interpreting it is the Spectre is still trapped in Tartarus with Corrigan. Yeah. He is not unbound like, like those previous events. This is more, he is using an outlet through this this entrance to Tartarus in the in the Arctic or Antarctica as we are. Um, so it's not quite as extreme as in those previous examples. Well, sh- sure, but I feel like Corrigan's endgame is he's done being the spirit of vengeance. Yeah. It's a great story in itself. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that idea. I, you know, right. and they try and like, make the Spectre talk with the lasso and obviously doesn't really go very well and there's lots of blasting and, and all that, all right. whatnot. Uh, Ultimately, they go to Themyscira because they realize kind of that they have to go there for answers and Diana takes them there. And I think what's so because she mentions that she's brought them through the barrier that most, what, and you know, why most people can't right. find it. And, and that's the thing. It wasn't that long ago that she couldn't find it. She, she was barred from it. And obviously we had the big story in Wonder Woman that kind of led her back there for the first time. 
So right. this is one of these things where, so technically, okay, she can go back there now. They established that in Wonder Woman relatively mm-hmm. recently in Wilson's run. Okay, fine. But it's this thing where they're all going there for the first time and it's like, oh yeah, so this is the first time I've brought other people and this is the first time the Justice League have been there. But I feel like I've seen so many stories where it's the first time some of the Justice League members go to Themyscira that I couldn't help but yeah. feel like, yeah, I've been here and done this. Do you know what? That's yeah. not even my problem because I'm I'm willing to go. Oh, this is the first time in this continuity. I'm willing to accept that. I just don't think it has the weight that it should for that moment. No, no, it's, it's just kind of whatever. It, this kind of goes back to like I think the last time was elevated by the art. The art here's still pretty good, but ultimately yeah. it's it, it's kind of a B story, just doing B story things. Yeah, I think Barrow's uh, probably that's a great Batman. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree with that. Especially in that. In that Antarctic suit. Well, well Barrows yeah. did uh, did some detective issues with Tynan, so that's not a surprise. Yeah. No, that's true. But I think it, I, I don't. I think it's the, the coat with the collar here that I'm really mm. digging. That's um, cool. I, th- I think I think it's the one thing he draws better than Zumanico. <laughs> As of you know, well, in the Penelope. action sequences, despite being repetitive, looks good still. Oh, they, look, they all yeah. they all look great. Those yeah. big two page splash pages look fantastic. But yeah, uh, the, 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 it's, it's even more kind of just kind of feels like we're going through the motions of because yeah, how, they... how many times have we seen the heroes fight each other? How many times have we seen right. these types of things? I think it's it, so it's formulaic with it literally being yeah. pair fights. One snaps out of it for a second, says the specter is right, on for yeah. the next pair. Yeah, they, they could have done something more with it where, like, as one starting to come out of it, like another like because 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 they're paired off into like these these sets of two. Like, you could have done something where they start to sort of, like, intertwine and, like, there's, like, vengeances and, like, little, like, pro- issues they have with each other, kind of. Yeah, it, it could have played a real interesting game of, like, how it all sort of dominoed from each one to the other, but instead it was this very just strict, like, two people fighting, that's it. Two people fighting, yeah. that's it. Two people fighting, that's it. Uh, the, the only interesting moment might be at the end when they kind of snap out of it, even though they're still kind of fighting it down a little bit, but they're more aware of what's happening now. Uh, Superman tries to apologize to to Batman, and Batman just kind of walks past him and goes, "Okay, let's deal with this. What's going on? <laughs> Talk, Spectre, you foolish god." Yeah. Uh, so big, big G, big as G. I call him. Yeah, big yeah. G. I liked. So the cliffhangers um, that the Amazons jump out and are like, "Diana, you've brought men. We're going to kill you all." <laughs> basically. Uh, yeah, that was uh, big yikes. I had a point I was going to make, and then Connor kept going, and then I forgot it. So. He does that at times. All right. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> it happens to me as uh, times as well. Um, I was running it back. What if, uh, oh, oh, no. It feels like the Justice League book is so bipolar in that it's either the backbone of whatever's going on in the greater DCU, or it's B-stories like this. Like, there's never... I don't think anyone save Morrison has really made it feel like its own title. Yeah, it's always where funny it's... about it is that it really has been kind of bounding between those two extremes because when you, mm-hmm. New 52 by Johns, it was the flagship book. It was the thing driving right. the universe. Yeah. And then we started Rebirth. And Rebirth, obviously, for the most part, was a great phase and we loved, loved what it did. But, but ju- the Justice League book, yeah, it was oddly right. just kind of there. It was just this weird book that didn't really have a purpose. And then they right. restarted it with Snyder and it's like, okay, you know, love it or hate it regardless of your feelings, it was clearly still meant to be this new big sort of flagship driving book that was doing all these big it's things. It's say, for good or bad, it absolutely was the driving force. Yeah. Right. And now he's off it, and they're off to do Metal 2, Electric Boogaloo. We have this Vendetti stuff, and it just kind of feels like it's back to, ah, oh, it's just kind of a nothing book that exists because we have to have a Justice League yeah. book. 
Well, and it, and it did that even before the New 52, depending on who was on it. Because I remember for a minute, the Justice League was made up of Nightwing, Donna Troy, uh, uh, Congo Bill. <laughs> yeah, like, it was post- yeah, like it was very, very just, oh, we can't put in the big guns, so who can we put on the Justice League? And I think, I think James Robinson during that. It was post-Cry for Justice. And, like, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't, like, like this is not a Justice League book. Yeah, I'll, so... I'll say it. I'll say it again. I think it's okay for it to just go on a break for a while when there's nothing to do in it. Uh, yeah. it's, it, it's also no, okay I, that I it's not... It. Maybe Justice League doesn't even need to be ongoing. Maybe it can be something where it's just a big mini will happen when there's a good Justice League story to tell. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, the I Hellboy model. From there, but I also think it's okay for the book to just be these B stories and kind of having... Well, if that's the case, then... Let's have a while where they're fun B stories and they don't feel forgettable. Because at least this is fun. Well, you I, know what I mean. Like, I, I think the issue what we're talking about here, though, is that this is of that quality, which is fine if that's the story it was doing. But the actual story it's doing feels like it should be much bigger and should. It feels like yeah, it, right. it, it's short changing moments that in, should feel like a bigger deal. Well, in this particular issue, I agree. I think the previous uh-huh. issue nailed the feeling that it was going for. The mm-hmm. previous arc, um, Vindy's you know, first arc on this book, I think was. Exactly the type of fun B level story I would like in yeah. an ongoing Justice League. Book. And, well, e- even if he had more time, because we all know this is just in a holding pattern right now until Metal Two, when whatever happens post that. Well, even so, yeah, even then, like it's in a holding pattern through Metal Two, because I don't, I don't think it's going to be doing anything important during that, right? Unless they announce you know, something. You know, we've got this arc from Venditti finishing, then we have the the Spurrier six issue arc, right? And I think we've got Loveness for a two or three par. But which at that right. point will be pretty much the end of Metal. Give or right. take. So, uh, well, that's not it's double shipping, no, but it's double shipping. But yeah. it'll be like halfway through Metal at that point, yeah. right? And and who knows what happens after that, but. If, if like, I feel like if they had just given Vendity a run and told him have fun, I think it would maintain. But I think him trying to squeeze a Spectre story into, like, four issues. I think it's worth knowing that I think Venditti was offered a run and being told to have fun because he kind of made a statement saying, no, he stepped away because he had a new book. And right. with this being double shipping, he couldn't fit it into his schedule. So I think right. they did offer him that, and he chose to do whatever other project that has yet to be announced. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see. Uh, it's worth mentioning, we didn't mention this in the news, but Tom Taylor was teasing a new DC project on Twitter this week that is yeah. not related to Deceased, he pointed out. Yes, so, um, Maybe we'll learn about that in the September solicits if he's teasing it already. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what that dude's endgame is, because hey, it's always, we, we it's had, always something. We had, de- we had Deceased, and technically de- Deceased and a half, I'll say, last week. Uh, we got Suicide yeah. Squad this week. I'm just saying, we're actually in a pretty nice stream of uh, Tom Taylor it's, right it's now. It's true, and we're yeah. presumably going to have half a deceased next week. Yes, yes, with the digital one, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I will say that he is definitely, like, we always, I had always joked that he's a patron saint of our show. Mm-hmm. He has definitely stepped into that role with each, each of his books, just every time nailing it. So, I uh, mean, that's a We'll, we'll get that, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Foresight, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, this issue just like was fine. It, it, it just it feels like it's underselling some big things where it feels like it's rushing the Spectre stuff and it feels like the Themyscira stuff just feels like a, a nothing moment that should be a bigger deal. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. I, I, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, Matt, yeah. what, are you, what are you rating it? Uh, I'm going to give it a solid 7. Connor. I feel that's a bit generous, personally. Uh, I'm going to give it a 6. 
Yeah, that that's my thing now. It's true. I yeah, I think I lean more towards Connor here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait and see how much we lined up on the last episode of previously. Yeah, too much, too much. Uh, I will agree with the 6 out of 10. It, it, I mean, it's a general enough read. The art's pretty solid. may not be as good as the last issue, but like those big two-page spreads do look good. So, yeah. there's nothing yeah. else. The eyes are treated to a decent little series of sequences. Uh, but yeah. The Flash 754, Joshua Williamson writing with Rafa Sandoval on the art. I have to ask, Matt, I know you're going to read the, the end of this. Did you catch up for this particular issue? I'm ashamed to say... I did. <laughs> yes. I hate Paradox. <laughs> and it pissed me off for the rest of my day at work. I, not not like legit pissed me off, but I'm I'm trying to work thinking like, how the hell, Williamson, how the hell does this even work? You, with time travel, even in bad time travel movies, this wouldn't work. I just, like, and I get it. It's a I, paradox. I love I love the idea that Matt's at work and just casually say it is like, Goddamn paradox, Williamson. Yeah, well, what have you done? Well, no. So, but with how it is now, school school's canceled. But we're in our summertime maintenance portion of what I do, and so uh, with with the you know the the limits still going on, there's rules we have to be by. So most of us are working by ourselves. So I have a lot of time to think, and as I'm listening to different shows, my mind can wander after I read an issue of The Flash. Um, you know, so yeah, man. It, uh, <laughs> that, that said, the longer the art goes, the more I don't mind it because that's where we're getting less of paradox. I'm just and I don't mopping a big hole every yeah. so often, just being like, "Cut that paradox." Swap, swap mopping for shampooing carpets, and you're dead that's right. Close enough. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that said, I don't. <coughs> Like I, I like his take on Reverse Flash and how I can't remember what issue because I read them all back to back. Sure. Was it this issue, Pete, where he talked about the many deaths of Aobarthon? Or was that the last one? I, that was the last one where we saw okay. through that. That was the, the bulk of the so issue. I'll, I'll that... touch on that real quick. That I do like that it seems like these are thons from different points in time. Mm-hmm. Right? And that plays into whatever Paradox stupid plan is. God, that character's stupid. Um well, to to sort of get an yeah. idea of what this issue is, though, so so there's a scene at the start that shows the 25th century where, where Reverse Flash beat Paradox, and what mm-hmm. I don't think I understood actually from before that surprised me is that it, like Thorn already knows he's beaten Paradox already, which is weird. I, right. I expected this to be a Thorn before he fought Paradox, so he was going to be surprised that Barry would come to him for help, but he already knows he's done this, so he, he's mad right. that that he's out. So. I've got a question here. So did they go to the Flash Museum to get his uh, his staff, the lightning rod? Right. Um, I have a question. So so once they start fighting and bickering, uh, Thon and Barry, right? Once because yeah. we, we cut we cut to uh, uh, Godspeed and Paradox, and they basically they go after on the treadmill again to go find Barry and Thon because he realizes that Barry's not alone anymore, and Thon takes Barry back to earlier in the timeline and he's going to basically kill paradox before he becomes paradox much like he killed you know his barry's mom and of course barry when he realizes that's what he's planning he's like no i'm not letting you do this like this is no this is horrible this is awful blah blah, blah. and they start fighting now this may have been updated uh because I, I i read this earlier on from comiXology and they okay. cannot they can update things later on yeah. So I'd be yeah, very yeah. curious to people who read the print version of this, if it even came out this week. I, I may have been one of the ones that was delayed earlier. <laughs> I can't remember. But 
I am positive that there's an entire page where all of the dialogue was swapped between Barry and Thon. That it was no, coming from the wrong person. It, yes, it did that on mine. I read mine on Thursday. Yep. And it was still like that, so it wasn't updated yet. Yeah. But it was because I had to read that page four times to figure out if there was a miscoloring on the suit. If yeah. they misplaced the bubbles. Well, I, I, just a, I, I, just a lettering mistake by the sounds of it. I imagine if it doesn't get fixed on Comicsology, it will definitely be fixed for the trade. Yeah, I, yeah. I think uh, I, I'm pretty convinced it's the the lettering rather than the because I, I, I right. thought I thought color as well. Maybe just the red and the yellow has been swapped by accident. It's, it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. But the, the symbols though, it's still the reverse flash symbol on his suit, right. so it's not like right, right, it's right. just coloring. Uh, so it, it was so confusing. I was reading this page and I'm like. Wait, why, why does Thorn sound like he's saying that Barry's going too far? <laughs> Look, why, why doesn't it make any sense? And then I was like, oh, the dialogue's been swapped. Not doing enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was so yeah. weird. Uh, it was so, so weird. Uh, and then Thorn yells out as Barry's punching him, I never kill Thorn. Right. It's your thing. You do it's it. literally your thing. That's your gimmick, bro. <laughs> like. <laughs> So this was uh, obviously just a obviously it's a mistake. It's not intentional, and uh, yeah, it'll be fixed for later versions if it's not already yeah, fixed I'm online. But too hard against it. But yeah, yeah. usually they do because I'll start a book and then you know it'll say there's an update yeah. ready. And and so I've seen that happen before. I feel like this may take more work though because it's an entire page of the bubbles being in the wrong place and yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's not so. <laughs> I'm not as, you know, upset the farther this goes, because now this feels more like the the stuff from Williamson I do like, but I still, I hate that every one of these big villains is this big hulking monstrosity. Yeah, they've, and, all, they've all looked really generically comic booky in a way that's just not satisfying. Yeah, and at least when John's is bringing people in during his, his Wally run, like all these different villains, they were all unique. Like you had Tar Pit and Girder. Yep. And uh and uh who was a guy that hated the sound of his voice. Um anyways, murmur. Uh they all yeah. were unique and different. And I feel here like turtle, and I know the turtles existed before, you know, but like I was just thinking of different ways that this paradox could have worked. And he doesn't have to be this big hulking monstrosity, he could just yeah. be a a because to me, his his relationship with Barry is the scientific one, right? Where they both got their powers at the same time because he was studying the multiverse yeah, and whatnot. Pa- Paradox could literally just look like a dude. He doesn't have to have a look yeah. at all in terms of like super no. villainy, right? But for some reason, he looks like Darkseid with a red cape. And I don't know why, but he does. Yeah. And you could just and... give him the red cape and be like, that'll do. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, and, and, you want, I suppose. And just his plan of going back and. And and creating paradoxes to absorb more power. Yeah. Like, what's the end game Which is, for him having more power? It's just so he can I'm not sure ruin everything, or the Flash can't beat him at that point. But anyway, yeah, but it's well, not like he's trying to get back to his family, like as a tra- like. Because I thought that's what it was going as a tragic figure. Well, you know? I mean, it's just but, to, just to explain what actually happens here is, uh, Flash the. Uh, so it's flashback, sorry, Paradox uh, comes back, uh, shows up when they're trying to kill like, him as a human before he became Paradox, and surprises everyone by just killing himself and goes, hey, this is the ultimate Paradox, me just killing myself before I became Paradox. So, and then he gets so overloaded with power from this that he starts to just decimate like the entire multiverse, the entire reality, you know, reality yeah. just starts to white light. And the big cliffhanger is that he's wiping everything and Barry and Thon are like, shit. 
uh, we have to work together now and we have to think of this or uh, this is literally the end of everything. So it ends in this kind of, oh, we're doomed yeah. kind of moment. Yeah, I, I kind of did like that him create, killing himself, creating a paradox. I, I still hate that it just amps him up more. Um, but I, I like it story-wise. Uh, but if this doesn't lead to a legion of speedsters coming out of the speed force, because that was a big thing I picked up on too, catching up on all of these that I'd missed, was that it seems like the speed force is intrinsically tied to the multiverse. Almost like it's like a, a river that services all of them. So if we don't get some payoff from like his, you know, flash of the future and all of these different stuff coming to stop paradox, which in its turn is a paradox, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed because it's right there. It's on the table. I can figure it out. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh... I mean, honestly, the the issue was easy enough to... Outside of that one page where all the dialogue was swapped. Yeah. It was an easy enough read. It looks decent enough. Like, th mm -hmm. there's not a lot of complaints as far as comic construction goes. It's mostly just being kind of out of the plot and just not being super invested yeah. in what it's doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll yeah. Do there. It's, uh... Yeah. We're, we're limping to the finish line. Let's just call it what it is. We're yeah. limp limping I, I to the finish line. I will say that this... This is the, since, since 750, this is probably, I would say, the best issue that I've read. So the further we're getting away from Paradox as a, as a concept, I think the better. So whatever Williamson has, I kind of trust him. Although that said, I haven't really, I, I have the last arc of Birthright to go, and he really didn't stick the landing on Nailbiter. Although that said, there's a sequel coming out, so maybe that was the point of mm. Nailbiter. Um, so who knows? I, I am hopeful, though. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, what are you rating this issue, Matt? Uh, I'm going to give this a 7.5. Just, uh, I didn't hate it as much as I thought it was going to. Coming off of those other two, I was like, oh, get ready. And it didn't happen, and I kind of enjoyed it. That was surprisingly positive, uh, given the conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, I will... <sighs> maybe give it a 6. You know, 5.5 yeah. 5 maybe. Maybe more. Kind of in that middling range. Um, yeah, I, I think if I was week to week like you were with this one, or, or issue to issue, it might have been impacted a little bit, but because it wasn't as bad as the ones that I read before, then hmm. it was fine. But yeah. Well, hey, I mean, we're lumping towards the finish now in September, and then we get a new Flash run from someone. So, yep. be exciting to see how that shapes up. Aquaman 59, uh, Kelly's with iconic rating, of course, with Robson Roca on the art. Uh, this starts off with Aquaman barreling into Tiorm's new kingdom. Uh, I can't remember where he is exactly. Because yeah, uh, he's, he's there, he accuses him of, of having something to do with Andy's kidnapping, which I have to admit, I'd kind of forgotten about because it had been such a long time since the last issue. Oh, yeah, no. That it took a this second is, to um, realise. So, yeah, you know, we, we've had you know, a couple of weeks back now, and some issues have fared better than others in terms of remembering <laughs> things. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt this one suffered a lot in my memory compared yeah. to things. Uh, and it's not because I've been really enjoying the story, and the, I think the last issue was solid from what I remember. <laughs> I remember liking mm -hmm. it. Uh, I, I remember vaguely liking it less than you two did the last one. That's um, fair. But well, I don't remember being like you know it being bad by any means. I just it, for whatever reason it obviously didn't stick in my memory as well as some other <laughs> things that we read around that time. This opening is really fun though, because Aquaman literally just storms into the city with a school of sharks, like going absolutely mm -hmm. you know. Forgive the, the the term here, ape shit, because I, I should think of something fishy. But <laughs> but uh, but he just comes in and like is, the sharks. Is it still a school when it's sharks, or has it become a swarm? 
Oh, well, it's a frenzy. Because you, you get feeding, oh, you get feeding frenzies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Whatever. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of sharks. It's a large gathering. I agree. I love when Aquaman weaponizes sea creatures. Yeah, but he's especially he's especially sort of like vicious here because he just he yeah. he, he makes the sharks like disarm the soldiers that are around. Yeah. He he jumps in. He has the sharks come after. Dolphin's already there, of course, because Dolphin, yeah. if you remember, she kind of kind of get roped She's in. in with this group. Yeah, but the other guy who was sort of saying, "Hey, no, Orm's doing a lot of good. He's he's feeding people yeah. equally, and it's going to treat you better than the ninth trade." All that kind of came flooding back uh, as as they were going through it. Uh, and Orm, and this is the thing, like, Orm actually seems quite genuine here, where he tries to shake his hand, and he's like, I have nothing to do with this, I am a father myself now, to the point where I almost, almost believed him. I almost did. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where I'm annoyed, I'm annoyed that he is behind it. Not in a way that I think it's poorly written, just in the way that, damn it, Kelly Sue, you got me. Well, because <laughs> I want to believe that since, uh, what was it, Forever Evil, where he got his family with his stepkid, and and whatnot. Like, oh no, Orm's a changed man. And clearly, no, he's just moved on to some sneakier stuff. Mm. You know, he's just not out in the open about it as yeah. much. No, and... no, don't get me wrong, he does smirk at the end when he realizes mm-hmm. that this happening kind of weakens his, em- like, Aquaman's image, and it weakens maybe the current, like, throne and Atlantis yep. and all that. So, yeah, he's, he's not, I, 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 I still took the end of him, okay, you know what, I can be happy about the effects that this might cause in terms of the public image, but... Yeah, that's what he's saying. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Atlanteans might reconsider who cares for the air. That you know, they might not want someone so easily provoked. And he's like, yeah. ah, I could just this could work out all right. So, despite the fact that he's the most obvious suspect, I, it, the, the the little twist that the person who's got Andy at the end comes and sort of answers to him is like, oh, okay, you know what? That was more effective than it had any right to be. Yeah, but and and to me too, it's is this something that just fell in Orm's lap, or is it something he set into motion? into motion like, definitely seems like it because uh, oh. she brings when she reports back he's like have you done it um mm-hmm. and you know the, the errand did you take care of it and she's like yeah i, I did i can do hard things uh, yeah. so it definitely was an order from okay her. yeah and meanwhile back in amnesty bay uh callie and that are trying to figure out how to find the kid um aqualad's there and he he wants to help and they actually take Callie out on on a boat, and there's because there's, there's a brief moment as well before that with uh, with his mother, uh, where she's kind of like apologizing yeah. for who his father is, and, and so on. And Jackson's kind of you know saying it's okay, she's, it's not your fault, kind of thing. She's still Zabellian, right? Uh, or she... yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just making sure because again, that's a thing that gets. I can't remember when exactly it happened. Was that but, in Teen I mean, Titans? She has to be for him to have his powers. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So, just double checking. So I actually really like this the stuff where they're on the boat and they're like basically excavating, uh, mm-hmm. like the, the the falling mech and they're getting a piece of it because they want the tech to like help them find where Andy might yeah. be. Uh, they, they want his grandpa because he was the best. He could find shipwrecks better than anybody. It was just like he had an innate uh, sense of it, and if his AI is the same, then you know they'll they'll be able to help. So I, I did it's... like that because he's trying to find a tie. To his father's side. Even just the imagery, there's just stuff about them being out there on the boat. It was giving me like Jaws vibes of them being on this little boat out in the ocean mm-hmm. and, you know, not, not that I was about excavating stuff, obviously, but just that mm-hmm. I, was, I was getting, it was just some fun visuals. I think what I respect about this run is that even though this isn't quite as uniquely weird as the first arc that Kelly Sue mm-hmm. did, it still feels like it's doing different things in terms of Aquaman. Because you know, the whole thing that's building to here is that the, the AI uh, that's based on his grandfather 
essentially tells him that you need Black Manta's help to find the kid. So the, the cliffhanger of the issue is Jackson going to Black Manta and Black Manta basically saying, my dad want to help you. Why do I care about this kid? Yeah. <laughs> Listen I, for don't, me. I don't think it's as interesting as, like I say, the first half or even the, you know, uh, <clears throat> the, big, uh, the big monster stuff that we had before. Like, uh, I think this is less appealing. I think Manta has consistently been the weakest part of this run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this has me not concerned, but just inherently less excited. Well, I think going forward. I, 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 think like, that, I think that's I a like, little bit unfair though, because Manta is inclusion up until this point has been tied so heavily to the the tie-in stuff with with right, the you're the villain. You're the villain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this well, is maybe the first chance we're actually going to get of this being its own thing with Kelly Sue just doing what she wants to do with Aqu- Aqualad and. That's true, but I think despite that, it still has to. Prove itself that that they can do good manner stuff now, rather than me coming on from a rather than me coming in from a neutral position, and just being excited to see Manta. It's it's got to overcome that. Even though I acknowledge that, yeah, no, it was you're the villain time bullshit that no one really wanted to do. I'm sure, um, but yeah. it it it's still there, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think Kelly Sue handled it as well as possible, but I like that the underlying thing in in this run. Since Arthur's came back, it's family dynamics and how they all fit together. Whether it's Arthur and Orm, his daughter with you know Mara in Atlantis and Volko, and now Jackson and Manta, uh, and then you factor in all the gods and their lineage. That whole was that the first arc where they fought the the sea and the salt. Yeah, with, with Arthur. That's again that goes back to family dynamics. So I feel like. The, the lens that Kelly Sue's looking through is through that family. So, of mm. course, we're going to get some take on on Manta here, you know. So, I, I like it. I think him showing up, like, it did make me groan, but I was like, okay. So, we're, we're running Manta back, and I'm not mad at that. Yeah, I, my, my, my reaction to it wasn't negative. I, I think yeah. it was set up well enough throughout the issue, because the AI says something like, oh, you're going to have to do something. You're not really going to like this, you know, what the advice right. I'm about to give yeah. you. I want to say I it wasn't that my reaction was negative, but more just it wasn't enthusiastic about seeing it either. It wasn't like oh I'm excited to see this. I was more like oh okay then. But what's funny to me though is this this idea that like Aqualad has to get his help to find Aquaman's kid. That that to me is what stuck out at the ending of this feeling different. Is that it's not just doing the same Black Manta story again that we've seen before. Because Aquaman as a book is sometimes levied with and quite rightly, frankly, that sometimes it just sort of regurgitates the same, oh, Atlantis is politically unrest and doesn't like the surface world. Like, you know, how often does it focus on those elements? And I think this run so far has done a good job of balancing all the various aspects of Aquaman without just divulging back into that. You know, and I'm sure it'll be, you know, reset at some point, but at least right now, giving Aquaman a daughter and then extending how that affects all these other characters around them does feel like a new ground to explore that, that hasn't been done at least mm-hmm. i've not read it before in aquaman so uh, it feels fresh in that sense to me which i'm i'm pleased mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. so uh yeah and the of course uh we do, you know sometimes when it's the same artist you know issue to issue we don't mention it as much but uh yeah. I, I did find myself uh, thinking this was quite pretty uh mm-hmm. most of the time so it's pretty good yeah. i um i will say there was a point i think it was with the um some of the jackson stuff that I actually, for a page or two, thought there was a second artist on the book. And obviously, there's not, because the, the credits are at the end. So I didn't know for sure at that point. But it just looked a little bit rougher um, around that area that I thought maybe there was a second artist. It was the only mm-hmm. time I felt it. All right. 
Uh, all right, Matt, what are you giving up? I'm going to give us an eight. Yep. Connor? Uh, it's a seven from me. Yeah. And I agree with Matt with the eight. I think it was a solid eight for me. So, Suicide Squad, issue five. Tom Taylor writing, of course, Brillo Redondo on the art. And uh, this was another one, even though this is one of my favorite books right now, where it started and I went, okay, why were they after Boomerang again? I, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember yeah, the gist yeah. of it, but... <laughs> yeah. But it came back quick, and then um, this this book went places. Do you know like... I knew that this was doing something because I'd seen Taylor retweeting things, uh, people you know, tweeting at him. Nothing yeah. spoilery, nothing explicit, but mm. more just, I can't believe you did that, and what the hell? Yeah, well, and, and I thought, oh, does he kill someone major in this issue? Because it's Suicide Squad, right? Yeah, yeah I thought, and, oh, maybe uh, he yes. killed someone. And there's a he moment, or, well, he kind of does. There's a moment or two, there's, there's a moment where he convinced me, like, he might kill Boomerang here. Like, they might have given him the green yeah. light to kill Boomerang. It felt like that yeah. at one point. Um, and it, it doesn't happen. It, it, I mean, it gets beat up pretty, you know, uh, in depth, but... Oh, I, <laughs> this but is, it's kind of messed up. Yeah. We thought that Australian Tom Taylor was going to kill Australian. Uh, <laughs> no other evidence than what Twitter was saying. Uh, uh, but I, I think what, what this does, that I think it's really unique and interesting, is that it's basically, you know, the end of issue five, which I don't know if this counts as the end of the first arc. I don't know if I would count it as that I think, necessarily. I think it would just... That that final silhouette definitely feels like an end capper but, to, to whatever's next. But what it's done this here... Is the, the lock arc. But what it's done yeah. here is that it's basically said, this isn't just a Suicide Squad book. It was never going to just be that. The, the, the first arc, they were operating like a Suicide Squad. But the yeah. actual story is that's just the prelude to what they're actually going to be doing. To the point where this isn't... I mean, it's called Suicide Squad, but it doesn't really feel like one it's anymore. Not, it's... Now there's no, there's no Waller and Lock. Their handler has just been taken out in yeah. a fantastic, uh, so a fantastic good. artistic touch by using the uh, the comics code logo. Oh yep. yeah, uh, wonderful. Yeah, it senses it because it, uh, presumably he wanted to go. I mean, this is the thing. Like, there's v- various levels of this they could have just shown in the panel, but they made the choice to cover it up with that to imply something so vicious that <laughs> the just they couldn't get yeah. it past. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. No, so- it's funny. From, from I think, issue two, I was saying this reminded me of Gail Simone's Secret Six, which when it started was Villain, uh, Villains United, which we thought it was going to be one thing when it started because of all the, <clears throat> the main villains associated with Infinite Crisis on the cover. But then it became like these second-rate heroes, or heroes, here in, in the protagonists. Uh, and then they became their own team, and they didn't operate. This is what this feels like. This has looked like where it was like, yeah, it started as a Suicide Squad, but now they're they're full on their own thing. Now, now it's basically and, a group of freedom fighters who are doing their own thing because they believe in what they're doing. It's not about following it, some government. We're stooge. improvising. Basically, this whole new team plus Deadshot and Harley. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much and it. Boomerang, and, I guess. And, well, and, what's left of the revolutionaries? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, this issue spends time getting us to really know Jog because because the, the end of the last issue was Jog, the explosion going off when Jog was running towards Boomerang, and it starts off with a bit of his backstory. We get he's got a bit of character, so we care about him. We see him on fire, and then again at the end, he basically sacrifices himself by like stealing all of the uh, the detonators for their neck, you know, the neck bombs. Yeah. All, all but one, his basically. He left his till last. You think he knows his is last, like that, and intentionally made that choice. I, I think just, so. Uh, a poetic coincidence. I, yeah. I, I think it's more of a heroic choice that he's made. That he left his till last because if he can't get to one, he'd rather it be his. Well, and, and we, I get that 
thought of and why you would like to know, but I don't know if there's any way for him to know who's well, got which Danaya. No, the way that I read it too is that he's he is very selfless because you see a lot how he got onto Osita's radar mm-hmm. was helping out the fires and and helping people throughout you know his home country and that was just his thing. He was a superhero for lack of a better term. And when when he joined up yeah, with them, and I just realized I'm going to have to learn all these names now because they actually may survive beyond a few issues. <laughs> like, cause, well, yeah, I mean, I know at least some of these. Um, I think it was Arian Wink, although I could be wrong there, on that. You know, it's Arian uh, Wink are showing up in the deceased uh, digital first. Yeah, we mentioned this right last week, did we not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just mean in terms yeah. of why you know, in terms of them just not just surviving past this arc, but becoming yeah. part of. I don't want to say wider continuity because deceased isn't continuity, but more no. just they go. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're going to be more prolific. Wolverine, I I get Laura and Angel vibes when I see them together, just because the wings and and sure. And I think it's worth mentioning the the uh, editor's notes or thing at the very end of you know the next mm-hmm. time. It says next week, although I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, yeah. Schedules uh, move. Uh, it says you know we'll see the squad on the run in the right. flat annual. Uh, issue three yeah so, so wider context so the thing is is that annual i thought i would be skipping because it may not be nope. that important to the run but now it's more relevant to suicide squad i'm actually oh, i'm reading yep. that now I'm, I'm now considering maybe i pick up the annual <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so i want to talk about how good the art is uh the title page the, the silhouette of the the fight behind the text or inside the text more more accurately and then also the stomp nailed that title moment yeah but the stomp on boomerang's face at the bottom of that page i love the squish of his nose with the boots on top of him is just wonderful mm-hmm. you know, what's really interesting is the art in this book the way the colors it actually reminds me of of more of marvel's house style and i think it's more the coloring and the way the uh the layers are separated especially on that boomerang panel Honestly, yeah. I, I I think it's not so much that one house style is better than the other, but there's definitely some DC books that benefit more from this style, and I think equal there's probably some Marvel books that would benefit from DC style. Yeah, I, I didn't say that it was better. I just said that this reminded me more of Marvel's house style, and I think it's very appropriate for this book. I think it works excellently in this book. And, and you know, I think, yeah, there are reviews that, that me and Pete have done in the past on some Marvel books where we've said the house style definitely didn't work for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, even Harley stopping uh, Osita from killing Boomerang and her making the I choice. I love that scene. Yeah. I, I, I mean, not fatally, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, even just the way the art, the bullet ricochets off the, the car, because they're in like a junk guard, if you, if you don't, don't remember. Yeah. If you're just listening to us, that is. Obviously, we all know, because we're all looking at it right now. But, uh, like, and you've got, you know, Jog at this point, half of his face is burned, right? <laughs> like he's, yeah, he looks like shit. Melted shut. Yeah. But you know, Osita does this thing where she puts boomerangs boomerang in his hand and just like crushes his hand out of the boomerang, so there's just blood pouring from his hand. I'm like, that looks painful mm-hmm. as shit. Uh yeah. good stuff. So they, they take him in and locks over the comms being furious. He's like, well, someone talked to me. Uh, I did appreciate the remainder of all the names because there's a lot of new characters still. Yeah. So uh, it's good to... it, was, it was a little weird how late in the issue that they were telling me these names. It wasn't like as they were coming up throughout the issue. No. It's more just, here's the lineup shot of them, like, halfway yeah. through. I kind of get it, though, because it's like, okay, it's an easy one to do it on because they're all together. It's one big image. Yeah, they're all there. I'm, I'm thinking more like, when I traditionally think of this sort of uh, ongoing thing, like, like a Legion book, where the first appearance of said Legionnaire in an issue will kind of have the box next do you, to them. Do you think this may be a conscious choice? Because the moment that's about to happen that we're about to end the issue on is really when the team becomes the team that this book is mm-hmm. going to be about. 
and it may yeah. be a conscious thing where normally this is earlier on but no this is about the dawn of this team being this team right. uh because Locke's standing there he's got like a shield so they don't hurt him he's got the uh zebra yeah, man's uh yeah he's, he's on that also i don't think someone has written uh boomerang as well as taylor because when he he looks he's on his you know knees and cuffs in front of Locke, and he says uh do you get a haircut or something waller just, <laughs> yeah, I I I love this moment here. I I love the pacing in the art here as Locke is saying, "Hey, Deadshot, kill Boomerang," and he's like, "No, yeah. that wasn't part of the deal." It's like, "No, you do it. I own you. Do it." And there's this, you know, the the panels get thinner, and uh, you know, it's, it's these close ups of the, the 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 mouse shouting, and every time it goes to yeah. Boomerang, though, I love that he says, "It's okay, Floyd. Uh, no hard feelings." Like you know, I I, yeah. I like him sort of accepting it, and Floyd's like going to do it and then we get the buy and then of course it's the I, I think it's really effective doing this on the end of a double page spread because it yeah. ensures that there's no way you can you, no. see, see ahead yeah like right. you, sometimes you have can. to turn the so, page and then much like I was shocked. yeah much like uh you know like a movie or something where you get the gunshot and then you don't see what the what the gunshot is and then you see it in the next page deadshot made a choice here he made a yeah. choice to fight back and he shoots zebra man instead which kills the shield and then he shoots Locke in the face. And, and this is the, uh, the quote-unquote sensitive yeah. moment. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, and I, I, le- I legitimately went, holy shit, I did not see it. Because they still, they spent time setting up this character, but it doesn't, at the same time, it doesn't feel like a waste of the potential they had because it feels like the whole point of this was to say, no, this book is not this, and you thinking it was, was yeah. a subversion. Well, it built Locke up enough that Deadshot making this choice to blow his head off. Uh, yeah. Uh, feels really deserved like, earned in, yeah. in like five issues. It means something. Right, we yeah. know we know he's a bastard from what was it, and then even his design speaks to like, oh, I wonder how he got that scar on his face, right? Like, what happened to put him in the position of of lording over the Suicide Squad? And it all seemed to like, oh no, he's gonna be the big bad of this. And then Tom Taylor goes, nope, gotcha. I think it's great because I think it was last issue we had the idea that. Oh, he's actually reporting to someone, and he's not mm-hmm. the big bad, but he still didn't feel expendable. In which, this, which is important. Which is important well, to remind us. It's important to remind us of that, though, because it means that we do still have a big bad. We still have someone who's going to be coming after the squad, who's going to be wanting uh, vengeance. And we'll get to who that is in a minute. Don't jump yeah. ahead, Matt. Because uh, no, I, I, I know <laughs> you want to talk about it. I'm, uh, com- I'm confused. That's uh, all. Right. Oh, I, I, yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, bizarrely, though, I'll just say, and Taylor, I trust. Mm-hmm. That's basically what I'm, I'm going to say. Um, I, I tweeted at, uh, at Taylor after I read this. I'm like, oh, what the hell? I need answers. Right. And a uh, friend of the show, Talking Superman, responded to my tweet with a, with something that I will, I will say what what he tweeted exactly mm. when we get to who it was. But it was notable that, that Taylor liked his response. To oh, okay. All right. Well, Ooh. we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so basically, once Deadshot does this, but before, I, I want to talk about Deadshot making this choice because I think. Deadshot being the character who kind of stumbled into them, their secret plan, you know, this group, because they had their their, their plan within the plan, they, they wanted to be part of Suicide Squad so they could do this stuff, and th- this year two or three is when Deadshot kind of stumbled into it, and they made the choice to let Deadshot live. I think there's something about Deadshot making the choice to go from just accepting his fate and working for, for the Suicide Squad, working for Locke, you know, after Waller, and just accepting that he's this prisoner, that he can't do anything, but then making the choice here to actually fight for something, that he won't just be a dog, he won't just, like, lay down and do what he's told. 
it actually feels quite an uplifting moment, even for a character like Deadshot, who's a bit of an anti-hero, who, you know, does some questionable things at times. He's, well, and he was on that Secret Six team, and, and he had the same, not the same exact arc, but he has the same kind of arc where Catman's kind of the main character of that book, but Floyd's like his his counter on it. And you see him accept the Secret Six as a family because he's the one that's just like, no, no, no. And here, Taylor gets to it to where, like you said, he's not going to be resigned to this fate of being on the Suicide Squad. He's in control. And And as much as he would never... I don't think he would ever admit this, but I I think you can maybe read into this, that he's almost a little inspired by these people around him. That them doing this and fighting back the way they have is maybe... You know, created an itch that he didn't know he had, or pointed out something right. that he maybe felt already that he's he's not you know now he's willing to fight back. He, he hopes again to to I guess put it in sort of the broadest term. So they run around fighting, and Jog runs around getting all the triggers for all the bombs in the necks, and gets all but one, uh, which then blows up him. And he, he sort of says his goodbye. Uh, he's like chasing yeah. them down. It's kind of this you know thank you moment, and then. We get this glorious shot and silhouette of his head just disappearing with the blinding light. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is um, I was reading this as he was kind of bringing Osita into. Uh, I'm going to borrow a term from the TV show, uh, Flash Time, so to speak. Here, yeah. Like, this was all in that instant of the thumb being pressed and oh, sure. brought yeah. Osita into the speed with him to kind of have that goodbye moment. Um, I never really thought about it, but you're, yeah, it seems like that's that's probably the case. If you go like um two pages before the explosion of his head happens, the bottom panel is actually the reflection in his goggles yeah. of the button starting to be pressed. Yep. And then you have the whole page with Asita. So I was assuming that was all like him bringing her into the speed. Um, and maybe I'm reading that wrong, but no, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. That's, it just establishes it as a little beat. Yeah, no, I think you may have something there. Uh, the idea that in the time it takes for the signal of the button to reach his neck to, to trigger the explosion, he has this, this split second to to say something yeah, right. at super speed yeah now it's a, it's a neat moment and then the, so you have this bright explosion panel with the boom and then there's just this sort of muted panel where it's just the blood you know spatter on on Asita's face as she sort of got her eyes shut it's really effective especially uh, and it, as if if i'm right you know she's the only one who heard that goodbye mm. so she's mm-hmm. the only one who had that moment everyone else is in shock even more than she is because she kind of had a, a a slight preparation maybe and then there's that glorious panel on the next page of her walking up to the guy who just pressed this button. Who's he's the only one left? It's worth mentioning right. of, of the of the team you know who they were fighting against him. And she's just in complete shadows. Like her face is covered. She's this imposing figure, and the guy is shitting himself. <laughs> it's, it's it's good stuff. Uh, uh, Deadly Six uses his powers to make him. Uh, Greedy. Greedy, yeah. Self-preservation. So, so, so he'll sort of like do what he's told uh, with the promise of, of things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we find out who who Locke was working for. And I, and I actually saw, there was a moment of shock and then there was a moment of, I wonder what Matt thinks of this. I think Matt's going to be upset for that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm upset. I was like, what the hell? What are, what are you doing? So the person who's behind this is none other than Ted Cord. Yeah, who like, this this is like? <laughs> so my my introduction to Ted Cord was the uh, the Infinite Crisis special, where he ends up being killed by Max Lord because he's the only one that's able to piece things together on his own, and it's this very selfless sacrifice and of him it, trying to stop it takes things. Him has 
um, such a, a strong character as being the only one to figure this out. Yeah, because he, he's the only one looking and he's no one will listen to him. And, you know, and his death ends up kicking everything off. And he's a sacrificial lamb. And then that's been it as far as I've been reading comics. Like, I've gone back and read, like, I can't believe it's up the Justice League and yeah. and whatnot, and him and Booster Gold. And there's a whole part of Booster Solo series where he tries to go back, but if he goes back and saves Ted, it completely ruins the timeline. Yeah, um, there's the, there was the stuff with him with uh, as the Blue Beetle with, with Jaime. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, a star rebirth. And, rebirth. and, you know, and obviously, that, and obviously, he's a blank slate. It obviously popped uh, up no. in Heroes in Crisis as well. Uh, right. It was there with, yeah. with Booster Gold there. Yeah. He was. <laughs> There's no point in debating that. this. It happened. So, I'm, not, I'm not questioning it. I, I, I was like, did he? Like, yeah, but there was this awkward pause afterwards as if I'm expected to prove it. I'm like, no, it just it happened. This no, was no, it wasn't, I wasn't expecting <laughs> proof. I was like, did he? Like, genuine like, oh. surprise. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we, there, we get this it. reveal of Ted and the other characters... Uh, where see, I kind of like faces him down over the phone because he's on a call because because they made the guy call him, um, and he says like, I want you, you know, if I were you, I'd surrender, uh, and you know, if I were you, Ted, and she says start running. So we end in this glorious, this full page spread of the the whole team, including Harley and Deadshot, uh, and, and even Boomerang, <laughs> and Zebra. He's he's joining he, them too. He, he looks terrified of jumping yep. out that window. Oh, Boomerang does? Yeah, Boomerang's no, like... Zebra. Oh, well, Zebra. I, I mean, I, I think Boomerang does too. It looks like he's clutching that rope for dear life. Oh, no, he looks like he's clutching it, but Zebra's face is like, oh, God, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. no, what have I done? What did I get myself into? Yeah, sure. I think, I it's, I think it's notable that this is kind of, like, I, I think intentionally, kind of like a, almost a play in the classic Dark Knight Returns cover where instead of like jumping in front of lightning at night time, they're jumping in front of the sun oh, in the sun. bright daylight and they're all kind of like, you know, they're all, they're all, instead of being in this dramatic pose, there's a variety of different things, kind of pointing out the differences between them all and how I much of an it. eclectic mix Asita's is. I pose is relatively close. Yeah, she, she's probably the one yeah. with the most of a, like a, like a, like a mission statement, right? She's the one that's the most... Mm -hmm. No, she's not. She's nothing. She's nothing like Batman, but she's the one with the most of a like a, a, a yeah. and crime to be declared she's kind of thing. Very clearly established herself as kind of the leader of of the revolutions. Yeah, I mean, she's um, the one that put them together. Yeah, to get so on, on kinda, the Suicide Squad. I wonder. She's the most I wonder if they actually take the name Suicide Squad now and sort of adopt it and say, "No, we're going to call ourselves this now." Mm -hmm. uh, That's what I was gonna. Yeah, is that because Booster or Booster? <laughs> Booster's not gonna be a fan of Ted. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that much. This is why he's hanging out with Harley Quinn now. Booster would slap him around, being like, "What the hell are you playing at, Blue?" <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, Cord goes, "I, oh, I don't think you realize how much trouble you're in. You don't know how many interests are tied in this little operation. How important your silence is to some very powerful, unforgiving people." And I try to think of, is there any other character that they could have put that Taylor could have put in here, like a rich character? In, in DC, where it would have been this chilling, and I don't think he could have. Yeah, it was surprising. It was and this yeah. coming from, from Ted, who the last, most I know of him is he's this fun-loving, like, sure, he has court industries, right? Like, yeah. it's this, you know, but he's kind of a buffoon. Hey, his court, best friend's court Mr. Industries Gold. is essentially uh, a means to an end for him to do his superheroing. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll let Connor tell us what tweet he liked in a minute, because that may actually point us yeah. in a direction, but 
you know, my, my first thought was, well, is it really Ted? Is this a, is this a doppelganger or a shapeshifter? Is there something else going on here? You know, the, the, my mind was sort of thinking, okay, what could, what are the possibilities here is to explain why Ted's it's, behind this? It's possible. I don't think so, given that he is in the Cord Industries office. Like, very, you know, it's not just yep. him looking over the phone. It cuts to show us him in the office. And, I mean, yeah. sure, a doppelganger could be there anyway, but I feel like that would be too easy, almost, at that point. I mean, it could be, but, I mean, um, uh, but just the, possibilities. Yeah, no, I'm not ruling that entirely. Um, the tweet was uh, was really simple, because I just said, it was like, hey, Tom Taylor, what, what the damn hell? We need answers. Right. And uh, Tony Superman just responded with, maybe the answer is rich people suck. And, and that's what Tom Taylor liked. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it was just the, the implication yeah. that maybe Ted's not the guy we thought he was. No, and it's uh, that's what makes it so chilling, is... Was that all a front? Is this a new version of Ted that, that Taylor's going to build from the ground up? Because if this is someone like Lex, it doesn't have the same power. We're think... like, oh, it's Lex doing Lex stuff. I mean, if What's it was interesting Lex. is he tries to not pretend, like, tries to not present as villainous. He's like, look, I've been pretty sympathetic to what you've been through. I don't, I don't want to see you hurt. You know, I've got, but I've got effective friends I can send after you, and there are other people who who care about this more than I do, essentially. Yeah, I mean, if it was Lex, it wouldn't be a bad reveal. It'd be like, oh, that's fun. Lex is behind this, this new Suicide Squad. Yeah, but it, it wouldn't have shot. been like, I got to Ted Cord and it was a, a serious... What the oh, of course. That, I mean, that's my point, is that uh, Ted's yeah. shocking, whereas Lex would be a fun reveal, but it wouldn't be a surprising right. reveal. It'd be I like, think... oh. Because the surprise and... there wouldn't be that Lex would do this kind of thing. It would more just be that, oh, wait, now the Suicide Squad is under the power of Lex Luthor and not the government. It's un- you know, it's, right. it's not Amanda Waller answering for the government. It's... it's right. Lex Luthor doing shady things with this team that used to be elsewhere. But Ted's like, wait, what's Ted's goal? Why is he doing this? Like, <laughs> those, those questions. It, it seemed like the Max Lord reveal. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm. the next best thing I could think of is when Max Lord is re- revealed to be behind the, the OMAC stuff. And hey, Ted Cord. Infinite Crisis. Ted so. Cord becoming Maxwell Lord is an interesting th- dynamic it to play is. with. No, I'm, it is. I'm it, sure that's an intentional choice as well. I think so too, in the fact that if the way that he sees this, where, where Max Lord was like, these superheroes are ruining the planet, I'm going to take it back using my, you know, telepathy and, and Omax, versus Ted Cord going like, no, this is a project that there's a lot of stuff wrapped up in. Uh, I think it makes that dynamic to where he's not necessarily a bad guy, he's just tied up in something. And now he has a target on him. And something really interesting is, you know, uh, Ted mentions here, you know, he has some highly effective friends he can send after them. Yeah. Judging by the next time in um, Batman, yeah, Batman that's is the friend he's sending after them. Yeah, at, at that point, like, okay, does Batman understand what Ted's doing? Is there actually, like, a reasonable explanation for it that actually like, the heroes would be on side with? It's possible, or it's more just, hey... The Suicide Squad got out of hand. Yeah. And Batman's like, well, sure, they're Look. all villains. I'll, I'll go and, you know, they, they escaped well, that leash. Can you go and help out? But look who's running with the revolution, right? So the revolutionaries, as far as people tell in the DC universe, go up and stir shit up, right? And they ended up with the Suicide Squad, as far as they know. But look who else is running with them now. It's Deadshot, Harley, Captain Boomerang. That doesn't necessarily, to the general public, Make the revolutionaries look like no, it's completely they're on the side of the angels, image, hasn't it? Yeah, right. And so, of course, if if Ted's like, "Hey, Bruce, 
Harley and Deadshot are out stirring up trouble with these revolutionaries. We we had them and they got out. Um, of course, he's on the side with his longtime buddy. Yeah, you know. Why so, wouldn't he? Yeah. So I love how complex this is. Taylor has made this simple reveal, and I think, maybe I'm just reading too much into it as a DC Comics continuity. No, nah, I don't nerd. think you are. I, I think this is wonderfully you know? intricate, and I, I feel like in five issues, he's packed more like good character development mixed with stories that has it's had genuine reveals and surprising moments throughout to the point where it's on a different level like there's a reason why we sit and like talk about tom Taylor, and it's, it's funny because a lot of the other tom Taylor stuff that i really like it's not even about the like twists and turns it's, it's just really good character work where well, i really care about what the characters are going through so the choices they make the decisions that they make and the the overall arcs they have are really impactful it's what we talked about last time with uh deceased and killables issue three that's why that was yeah. so good and it played into the history of dc universe on top of that this is doing something completely different where i mean there's a lot about history there we're talking about history that's maybe playing with the ted card stuff but ultimately here we're talking about just how like how many balls he's juggling this basically without yeah. ever feeling like he's actually struggling to the point yeah. where it feels so it feels like a master class in writing i, I think yeah. it's impressive at how much he manages to work on at the same time and all be this high quality because obviously yeah. we, we've had deceased um when he was writing this you know we love that deceased maybe the start of the digital one this um within a couple of issues we'll be getting to okay he'll be writing the script for whatever this uh, you know book he's teasing is that's quite a, a good amount of ongoing stuff that he's doing mm -hmm. every month well plus plus he has a creator owned thing coming out yeah. that every all his friends are tweeting out which i'm going to check out because it is Tom taylor this is the the one from boom i think in yeah September, this, uh, the, the, the like seven something seven seven yeah. secrets there you yeah. go and um but no but like i remember you guys talking up all new wolverine right and when I started reading, I was like, this, this is good. And then I got to Enemy of the State 2, where it just completely takes over, and it plays with those emotions. And it this issue really reminded me of what worked there, where it's not exactly what you think is going on, and he still pulls you. Like, I care more about Jog in this one issue than I have about Barry Allen in I can't tell you how long, right? <laughs> exactly. The, the only thing is they're both speedsters that want to do good. Right, like, I mean, that's irrelevant. It's just good writing. That's all. As you can compare it to any character. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I really care about Barry Allen, right? Like, I'm jumping back into Flash because of you know, not because of the writing, and in, in spite it, of the writing. Right. Yet here, this character that I have zero ties to, just the way that Taylor handled him, I'm now sad that he's gone. Like, I was like, I want more of him. You know. Yeah. So that's uh. The pros and cons of a Suicide Squad book, I guess. Yeah, right? And it's it's lining up on everything he said, where he's like, don't get attached. Right? He warned us. No, he like... did. He was very fair. He said, the, the, he, I distinctly remember him saying, the team at the end of the, uh, the, the second issue isn't necessarily everyone who was there in the first issue. Right. And by the end of the arc, it will feel very fresh again. And uh, I remember him saying that when the book launched. And yeah. it's true. Yeah, if I was getting into comics at, at this point, this is like, this feels weirdly John Z. And, and I know that that's weird to, to say because he's not really playing with, with continuity, but it is fresh. So he's taking these things like Ted Cord, and that, that's a very, to me, Jeff Johns things to do. Like, look what he did with Max Lord. Just I mean, that was him and Rucka. Life. Yeah, so I would be totally, if this was. This might have been the book that got me into comics, like some of the John stuff did. So, good, good showing. 
Uh, Tom Taylor. Yeah, obviously we mentioned the art here or there as we're going through the, the story, but uh, it is also very good. That's why I say not 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 ignore that aspect of it because it's wonderful. Some fantastic ones, and I think again, I think I mentioned this on like every issue of Squad, but uh, Adriana Lucas deserves a special shout out for the colors mm. being spectacular on this book and making it what yeah. it is. Like that panel with the uh, the uh, jog's head explosion, that boom, those colors are mm. absolutely sublime. And like. And there's two head explosion. I mean, it's not really head explosion with with Locke, right? But they're both head trauma, and they're both played very differently. And I think a lot of it is the colors and, I, and the. I actually think the uh, the jog head explosion works even better because mm-hmm. Locke's head splattering is covered up with right. the uh, uh, you know with the the censorship logo, mm-hmm. and and by having that there, you're like, oh, okay, this is we're not allowed to really show that. When you know, there's, right. there's limits. And then you get to the head explosion, and there's nothing. It's just it, right. it basks in the the moment of how horrific this is. Well, I mean, it's right. a, the contrast says a lot. It's almost like, uh, well, this is a character you're happy to see die. So, right. so you get the the fun kind of goofy kind of take on it, even though it's kind of a shocking moment because the dead shot just made this choice. But then you get right. to this moment with Jog, and instead it basks in the humanity of it and the the mm-hmm. actual human connection to it, and that makes it, it treats it more seriously. So that, that 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 contrast is wonderful. But yeah, that that yeah. is uh, issue five. We're only five issues at this book, but it's already wonderful yeah. this run. Uh Matt, what are you giving Suicide Squad issue five? You guys ready? I'm giving it a ten. <laughs> you gave the last Tom Taylor about a ten, Matt. <laughs> Sorry. I like Tom Taylor. Uh Connor. I mean, it's excellent. Um uh, I'm gonna give it a nine. <laughs> I mean <laughs> That feels bad now after Matt, but it's not. Oh, it's no, annoying, and, and, God damn it! No, no, no. But but still, too. I I read this. I got my. When did I get my books? I get them on Wednesday, so I must have read this Thursday. And it was the opposite of what I was talking about in Flash, where I was just like, "Oh man, Tom Taylor, this this book it put me in a good mood." I uh, and I read my yeah, comics so. today, but this was the first day I read. This was like, oh, that needs to be my priority book. Yeah, this when, is, I, when I looked at my list. Yeah, I I waited till I had this in physical to read it. Like, I could have read it on Tuesday as soon as it came out, like I did with other stuff digitally. But I, I like, no, I'm only buying this physically. That's it. So, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I read this first too. This was the, the, when I looked at what I had, I was like, oh, wait, no, that's first. Of course, that's first. Uh, I was going to give this a nine, just because I can't give everything he does a ten. I have to have some sort of variance <laughs> to what the. And, that, and yeah. that's fine. I might. Yeah. Hey, the, the one. The, the digital first, I might only give an 8.5 to. Who knows? <laughs> oh, so harsh, by Pull your punches. I know. So, there you go. That's uh, uh, Suicide Squad issue 5. Supergirl issue 41, of course, is the first of the last two issues that are digital only. Uh, Jodie Hauser writing, of course, with Rachel Stott on the art, which is the same as what the, the previous issues have been. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of weird getting this because it was like, okay, so we've kind of finished that tie-in stuff to the Batman Who Laughs. What is these last two in their own going to be? And it turns out that it's kind of an epilogue to that where Supergirl is kind of like suffering the, the, the trauma of what she went through. She's still kind of seeing Batman yep. Who Laughs in her head. And the, the bulk of the issue is her helping out during this hurricane and having these little moments where Batman Who Laughs will kind of like speak to her in her head and kind of yep. sort of say, hey, like you're, you're, you're part of chaos. You're not this good person. Uh, she's also sort of reuniting with crypto and going to save people who are trapped in their houses in Florida, and 
generally really again much like a lot of these houses are issues very sort of quick easy read fairly pretty to look at and uh, nice bold colors yeah stats art it's it's pretty good although i was i was there's a bit a couple nitpicks coming up from from it but i'm not gonna you know i'm gonna try to enjoy these as much as well, i that, can that, that was kind of consistent from before is that it was pretty good with some nitpicks that's kind of been stats yeah. art for the last so that's it's been a while, so sure. I'm going to defer to you on that one, remembering, <laughs> you know, uh, if, if that's what we're, we're saying. But well, it's I, definitely, you know, coming back to it. I think the, yeah. the general consensus between us was always that occasionally the faces weren't amazing, but the action, yeah. the flow of the action always looked great. Yeah. Uh, I'll it, say this, Stott's crypto looks fantastic just about every time you see him. And you know, I yeah, actually so think the good. giant Batman who laughs in the cloud when she's flying back mm -hmm. with the food supplies for the, the girl who's in the house on her own, yep. actually looks suitably different from the rest of the art, but also really good. It's actually one of my favorite like appearances of Batman who laughs, oddly. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you're pretty limited on that. It is, it's, it's, um, it's good. Uh, but she she brings this stuff back to the... Uh, to, to, to the girl who's sort of looking after her little sister and they don't want to leave because they're worried their, their parents might come back because they're concerned they might you know or maybe they did actually just die in a plane crash uh or right. they're coming back uh and as the book ends this you know someone there's a tease in the middle of this but basically this army general shows up and essentially alexo suit basically supergirl is seen as a threat now by the military because of everything she did when she was under the effect of the batman who laughs right. so getting into this final issue we have kind of the the final comeuppance for it, or the final threat because of it is that her public, you know, credit has has dwindled. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been hurt. So no, yeah, it was it was pretty good. Uh, it just it sucks that it's a downer because Supergirl's ending. Yeah, and you know, so it, I, I think the worst part is is that I mean this this arc with her being infected and this little epilogue to it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's been generally enjoyable for what it is. I think Taylor's yeah. doing a good job of. Mm -hmm. Not making it this chore that just feels like a tacked on tie-in. But it is kind of a shame that that's the last arc of the, the book. Like, you know, we've got this 42 issue yeah. series and the last arc is just all related to this this thing. Uh, as, as good or not as it might be. Uh, which is for the most part mm -hmm. good, uh, I would say. But, uh, yeah. So that, that's kind of a shame. And, it, you know, I, I wish Hauser would get like a nice long run on something. I feel like she keeps coming in to do these one-off arcs on things. Yeah, It's never like, here's, here's like a proper 30, 40 issue run on something. I wonder what Hauser's Justice League would look like. Oh, what the like, <laughs> Yeah, I think that'd be that'd be real fun. But I, yeah. I, I mean, I'd be, I'd, I'd be into it. I, you know, it's, uh, it's solid. Like I say, very, very quick read. A, a lot of swishing around the houses during the hurricane. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed the joke where she flies off to, like, uh, not a local supermarket, because obviously the local ones are all close for the hurricane, but she flies mm -hmm. off to a, a different state. Just to swoop in, get some food, and leaves the money. And uh, you know, the, just the, the simple yeah. little thing of the lettering, not having any punctuation, because she's saying this at super speed on her way mm -hmm. out. And the, okay. the the cashier's yeah. just kind of like, "Whoa, whoosh." Yeah. Well, and I, and I like too. This is Supergirl versus self doubt. So in, in those quiet moments in between, we see her doing stuff. It's her thinking about like Krypton and all the other stuff that's gone wrong in her life that's led her up here, and uh, and how she's viewing that and. It's almost like the infection has colored that to be different than what it was before, and almost like she's seeing it negatively. Um, but but no, like it's pretty good. Like I don't have too many complaints. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, 
Uh, but we'll just leave it there. I don't have to drag it out yeah. beyond what it needs. Uh, what are you giving it? How many of the 7.5? Yeah, I think it's a solid 7. I think I was a lot concerned at first, was that we're just in a random hurricane thing. Like, what, what is this in relation to anything? You know, we just got this two-part hurricane story at the end. But then once it started bringing our doubt and, like, her still sort of recovering from the Batman who laughs, I was like, okay, all right, it's actually more of an epilogue to the previous story that... Uh, it yeah. makes sense given everything she was doing in that story. It makes sense she'd have some time recuperating and and getting over it. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll give it just a straight seven. I think I think it's you know solid seven, which is good. Uh, if nothing yeah. spectacular. So, uh, there you go. That is super girl. Girl. <laughs> yes, I was a dramatic pause, Matt. Gotcha. I thought you forgot how to say girl. No, no, uh, no, no danger. Uh, Basket Full of Heads, issue 7, the final issue in the series, this miniseries. Joe Hill writing, of course, with Leo Max on the art. And uh, we get the final tale here, which ultimately boils down to to June getting out of her, her drowning predicament with the axe, coming up mm-hmm. and seeking vengeance uh, on the sheriff, and basically finding out that her boyfriend is still kind of a shithead. He, he didn't do exactly what they said he did, but he's still no. a bit of a shithead. But he wasn't as clean as, as she thought she was. So I got a question for you guys. Was this a victim of expectations? A little bit. Okay. I thought I this was extremely way. straightforward and just, oh, it's the ending, and it's kind of exactly what it needed to be, very, but it didn't, it didn't go very, above and beyond. Yeah, very expositional, right? Like, I felt that about the back half of this book in general, actually. I thought the first yeah. like, issues were fantastic mood pieces mm. and this... Um, really artful with storytelling, yeah. and, then, so, and then it shifted into being a lot of exposition. Like, it's not a bad issue, but this is the first thing I read on, on Tuesday. Like, I could not wait to see how this ends. And it was fine, but it just, it went a little bit too conventional. And just, like, it was everything that I thought it was was going to be. I mean, with the exception of the boyfriend and that, that little bit of a twist, you know? I, but, I, I mean... I don't know what I was expecting or not expecting. I quite liked the last issue. Uh, there was definitely that one issue that was very expositional that I'll agree on. But this one, yeah. like, they are in the first half when she's escaping the water and uh, even mm-hmm. when she's, like, using the axe on the sheriff is wonderful. I loved yeah. it. She decides not to cut his head off in this case. She cuts him sort of diagonally yeah. from the shoulder down to the sort of lower stomach. And yeah. he's like, I'm not dead. Why am I not dead? Kill me. And she's like, Ah, uh, maybe in a minute. My arm's tired. You know, let them, you know, lie yeah, that there was, suffering. That was pretty good. And I like, too, the, the, when she goes to rescue her boyfriend, and he's like, he noticed that she's missing a thumb, and he's she's, he's missing a pinky, and he's like, oh, look at us, you know, still, still faded to be, and I'm still like, oh, man, look at it. And then, because the sheriff's not dead, he starts spilling the beans on the boyfriend. And I was like, oh, this is something that only a magic axe that doesn't you know, I uh, uh, I did like the mythological reason for the axe. Yeah, so I I brought this up in in our chat two weeks ago, that or last week I forget which book it was in, but one of the I was thumbing through and maybe it was Dollhouse, and at the end you know they have the the sea, was it Sea Dogs? Yeah. yeah, there was the origin of the axe in Sea Dogs where the 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 vikings had come to north america and they were going after the native american tribes and uh they had this axe that you know would it would bring life not death 
and it was super cool. And I was like, I wonder if this is going to tie into basketball heads. Well, and through that, it's because they had killed this Native American tribe that another tribe got together with, with their shaman and cursed them to become werewolves. So that was pretty cool. Um, and that's where that ties in. It doesn't sound like it contradicts this, at least. Um, no. Because the, the explanation in this is, this is the axe that cut Odin down from Idrisil. Yep. Um, but when they did, it went into Idrisil a touch, and that's right. what you know gave it its power. So it, so it doesn't, even though it's an axe, it brings life, not death, upon you know what it does. Uh, so yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I like the, uh, the, the sheriff being kind of like, oh, it's just a Nordic myth. Like it doesn't mean, but as he's as in he's half, in half, yeah. <laughs> like, I, come on, bro. I uh, really like because I, I think she, she so she cuts her boyfriend's head off, right, and sort of yep. gives him his his uh, or she doesn't even give it to him. She sort of gives him the supplies to have his Viking funeral at sea because they're on a boat. So I did love that. He sets it on fire, uh, and she goes out to the bridge, and this is kind of where we started the story back in issue one. Her out in the bridge, and then obviously now we have the context of this girl who, you know, who singed, um. And who, who killed herself, and that was that was kind of the the, the backstory, and that's that's the one that he, you know the boyfriend mm-hmm. let die and all the rest of it. And we have the housekeeper like pull up, and she sort of recognizes her and says, "Hey, like you know." And we find out this housekeeper because of what happened to this girl that this family basically used and threw out, and it led to yeah. her her suicide. She actually is the the informant. She's the one who was recording stuff for the uh, for the feds. And we find L-E. out, yeah, her name Ellie is the L E. So, so the son, yeah. the the cop's son, was an idiot and heard L E and thought it was the initials, and that happened to match up with the boyfriend. So, that that was an amusing little touch. But I did kind of like this because I actually thought that it was maybe going to go really dark here, where she was going to jump. Like I genuinely thought that everything she's went through on this night mm-hmm. uh, has been so traumatic that you know maybe maybe she will jump. I, and... I have to say, it never once even led me the impression that that was going to happen like i never once even crossed my mind that it was that she would do that and maybe that's a a flaw in the storytelling for me in that i i, I never believed that was a possibility at the end oh no i was yeah but I was uh, going like she's this this axe and this this island has tainted her so much that she can't like this family just like with the with the girl right she's gonna find the ultimate fate and then here comes the savior. And I, and I like that, that she talks her off the wood and it's not, it's, it's someone that worked within the family and saw how nasty they were when no one else did. So I, yeah. I like that. She was always privy to the truth and she was actually doing something about it. Unlike the boyfriend who just kept taking the paycheck and yeah, he's able I, to buy her the ring. I like this stuff, stuff, but just to go back with Carson, I don't think you can call it a flaw in the storytelling. I mean, I know you said for you at the end, but it, in this context, I don't know if that really applies. Like either it, it works or it doesn't. And I think, the fact that two of us felt the possibility that this is what it was setting up at the end, uh, for I, me I means that's, that's why I very intentionally quantified for me. I'm not saying this is bad, you know, badly written. I'm not saying that. I said it, it was a flaw for me. Um, so it, it didn't land for me in that regard. Oh, it didn't land for you, but that, I, 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 I take umbrage with the word flaw. I think flaw is kind of the wrong word for the it context. It was like a flaw to me because it didn't, well, it, didn't it, it, never, it never gave me that impression. It never it gave didn't me work that for context. him. And, and that's, I guess that's fine, but it worked for me and you, Pete. So, like, I can see where he's coming from. No, but I guess what I'm saying you know? is that a flaw is what causes the thing that doesn't work. The thing it works at the end result is not the flaw itself. Does that make sense? Okay, the flaw for me, though, here is that um, I didn't think there was anything in the writing or, or the art that, that made me think 
oh, no, she was going the to second... do. So it's a, so it's, for me, it's a flaw that it didn't give me that impression. I, I think this is on you, because the second she's on that bridge, the second I saw her walking towards the bridge, I immediately got worried. Like, the first thing I thought of is that she's going to jump. Because of what she's been through. Fair enough. Maybe this is on me. I'm not. You know, I'm not saying that the the books you know, bad. Especially this, for whatever reason, it didn't. It didn't strike me. But especially when you tie it to the manacle laughter before when she's listening to the music, and she's laughing because the tape says you know police evidence on it. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it it's just a song. Um, like I don't know. For for me, it was I got this bad feeling the second I saw her walking onto that bridge, and it, it for for me it kind of recontextualized what this story is is that the whole thing's been about her believing that her boyfriend can't be this bad thing, that every step along the way, you know, he started off being this this perfect boyfriend in issue one, and then he was taken away, and it was been this, everything's been about trying to, like, convince her that, you know, he's actually this bad guy, that something's bad, it's been about getting to the boyfriend, and then not believing mm-hmm. that he's done these horrible things, and ultimately, he's just kind of, not maybe as bad, but he's kind of fallen into the same trappings as the family, where he's willing to let the the, the the other half kind of like die and just take the benefits for himself and that he's kind of just like them and she's ultimately yeah. almost a victim like this other girl was uh to that negligence to those those uh just malicious like parasitical kind of like entities yeah like like yeah the the island's been rotting because we see how yeah. how I mean I for for whatever reason from the beginning I thought that the cops had something to do with it, but I didn't think it went all the way up to the sheriff. So like this is a this is an island that is so corrupt that really the only thing that that helped bring it down was a a mystical Viking axe, right? Like well, that's the that's then, the that's the tool. But I mean, the story is really about this this young woman kind of right. like changing it all, you, right? Right. Um, all right. Well, so. oh, I mean, because what, what I like about it is the housekeeper got to save this person. She, you know, she she let mm-hmm. well, she didn't let, but she saw well, what happened to the previous one and has felt guilty about it and wanted to do something right. for it and like, I don't... had a chance here to save someone else. So for me, all the story beats kind of fell into place and it kind of contextualized what the story's actually been about. Uh, so, um, yeah, it was just a little bit more straightforward than I was expecting for the ending to be. Like, despite the twist of the boyfriend. And I then think, the housekeeper. I think it, it falls down to when I was reading this, it kind of felt ended up feeling conventional, and it had lost yeah. a lot of that unique feeling that I felt the first half of this series really had. I'm wondering if it's going to read and trade, though, too. Mm-hmm. It's possible, you know. Yeah, like, this this could just feel like the epilogue. I, I wonder know, how much of this is just it. between issues. You think you thinking up of what this where this is going and what it actually is and. Well, see, that's the thing. I didn't actually have any like ideas of what it was going to do. It's more the 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 tone shifted from this, you know, that that, that brooding horror and fear in those first few issues of what and mystery of of everything, and to the the second half being a lot of exposition, and just the answers often not being well. Forget about super the, the interesting. I don't think we were the interesting part, but forget about the exposition because I agree that at least one of the issues was too expositiony. I think why this works is the whole point of it is that it starts off feeling like a traditional horror movie, but then the actual horror is a lot more real. It's a lot more realistic. I mean, you've got the supernatural acts, but the actual horror is more about people being taken advantage of, no, about the rich taking advantage of this young woman. Like, I get that. I feel like the... When I, when I, I don't think I can just forget it being expositionally because I don't think it is just that one issue. I think it's been every issue since that has felt really expositionally to me. Even this... Well, no, final, I'm, like, I'm not saying forget. I'm not. 
I'm not saying forget that yeah, that complaint. I'm not saying that's an invalid complaint if that's how you felt. I'm saying in the context of talking about the tone shift, that's not the tone. We're not talking about tone. We were talking about it being too expositionary. That's something different. Okay. Um, I, I guess in that regard, then I just, I didn't, I didn't feel the shift was a, a natural shift of, of the story for me. It felt really jarring and sudden and just, it never gelled together properly with the first half for me. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I think this final issue improved the story for the most part. Um, I, I, I agree the one in the prison cell with, with the, the son, the, you know, the, the sheriff's son was sort of telling the story was a bit too much just packed in like him explaining all this stuff in one go but i i do actually think the recontextualization of what this story's actually been about and this is the thing where i feel like if this wasn't like month to month like getting the the, the individual chapters this is one that actually might play better as a movie in one sitting as it were where you start off this way and then it sort of gradually throughout the story shifts towards this thing instead um i, I think that subversion is kind of part of the point uh so now, for me, this no, I, I actually appreciate that this didn't go deep into mythology. I, I, I I'm kind of glad that this was one oh. out of the out of the Hill House books that didn't go I, into. I didn't need it to go into mythology yeah. and like weird stuff necessarily. I think it was just, like I say, the the tone shift didn't feel natural to me, and so I didn't buy the shift because of that. So it kind of just felt very disconnected and underwhelming due to that. That uh, I guess I just disagree. I, I, I think I think this final yeah. should improve the story. So I just. I feel like I'm somewhere in between you guys. I was a bit disappointed where it goes, but it was still good. You know, it's just like, it's that thing where whatever you have it building to be, like I expected it to, you know, like kind of like dollhouse family, the way that that ended. And I was like, Oh man, that was, that felt very fulfilling. This didn't to me feel quite as fulfilling, but there's stuff in there that I really liked that like the repeated theme of the bridge, right? That was, that bridge is kind of the family's undoing, right? Because it led mm-hmm. to the girl's death that led to the investigations that led to to the boyfriend having June stay there through the storm and whatnot that kind of ended up being there. And that's the one way in and out of the, the, the town, you know, yeah. or the Island. Even just that, that so. last visual, when you get to the final page and she's in the, in the car with the, the housekeeper, they drive past the police going in the other direction. You know, that, that's yep. kind of the ending of it as this dawn is rising. And in fact, the last lines even, yeah. you know, the sun's coming up, you know, sooner or later it always does uh, kind of thing. Um, so. so it's this choice to leave this behind and then move on. Uh, I, you know, I, I, think, I think the storytelling is actually really strong. Uh, yeah. So, no. I think, I think uh, just uh, not just about this book in general, but it has me on a very personal level now concerned about joe hill comics and um just oh, maybe no. they're not necessarily for me in the sense that um between the back half of this feeling really expositionally for me and how i felt about um the last issue especially of um plunge plunge, plunge thank you the, the one um, that was better know, than issue two yes well, well again <laughs> yeah. me, again we saw this last week for me it felt very expositionally and it lost a lot of the the impact and feeling and the mood of the previous issues and that's kind of been my problem with the back half of this book is that lack of that that mood and things that that got me interested in the first place felt like it faded and if they're working for you that's great keep enjoying them but that's a a pattern now that that, okay there's two things in a row that i've had this feeling from joe hill that has me worried that maybe it's not for me in the future did did either of you read lock and key no, I'm sure this has come up okay. before. I, I own almost yeah. all of it on Comicsology, and I've never read it. 
Well, I didn't know if he started. That's, yeah. that's why I ask. Um, but I wonder if, if so. If you're listening, you have. Does is this a problem? Is this like the thing that Joe Hill does, where he sets a mood and then gets away with it to and, and do a more traditional storytelling? Because I don't, I don't feel like that with Plunge. It's a problem. Yeah. And maybe for everyone, it's not a problem. Yeah. Like, I, 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 yeah. For, for for plunge, I wouldn't say he gets more traditional. If anything, that book gets weirder. Yeah. Uh, the more it's revealed. Yeah. So I don't. So I I don't know about that. But like, and again, I really enjoyed this issue. It just wasn't the twisty, turny type stuff that I we were getting, and it almost felt like this was just the end tag. You know, like if the if the issues were or were like a couple pages more, it still could have been six issues. Like I almost feel like. This is a little bit too. I don't want to say bloated because it's not bloated, but you know this. This still could have been six issues, for yeah. whatever reason, and they went with seven. That and that. That's just it. So. Yeah, I wouldn't say bloated at all. Uh, no. No, I. I don't think that. I wouldn't even use that word either. No, and that's why I don't want to. But it just. It feels like this still could have been six issues, but for whatever reason, he adjusted the story and made it into seven. You know. Because I remember, wasn't it solicited a six originally? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so whatever happened happened. But I, man, I, I want to just keep reiterating. I did enjoy it. It still features a Viking axe made. You know, that, that's origin site of Yggdrasil. How do I not? Love it? And then when you look at the 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 design on the blade, it was like you look at it facing up. It's like, oh yeah, that's Yggdrasil. Like I'm staring at me at the face the whole time. So, no, I liked it. Yeah, I don't give a shit about the axe. I just give a shit about the human story. But, <laughs> but you know, uh, and the atmosphere. I love the atmosphere. Uh, no, I really enjoyed uh, Basket Full of Heads. Uh, and Plunge is still kind of up there for me in terms of the, the books. Um, but and, and part of that is that they, they do have two of the better art uh, teams as well out of the books too, mm. uh, for my taste. It helps so. me have Eminem and then Leo Max yeah. on this one. That's how I with the art. Yeah, uh, this this still felt very seventies slashery, toward even in, even in the end. So I give them credit for that. They kept that tone yeah. throughout. Uh, Matt, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm just gonna give it an eight. Connor, uh, six point five from me. I would go with eight point five. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. That is a basket full of heads. Issue seven. Lolo Woods, issue 5, the penultimate issue. It's another Hill House book. Uh, Carmen Maria uh, Mikado writing with Danny Strips on the art. This is... I mean, if anything, I mean, I suppose, uh, technically, this is the exposition issue of this one. This is the, the full backstory. Big time. Of... This, this is the first time that I felt that you could tell Mikado is a novelist. First. <laughs> Do you know what I'll say, though? This, this series, with how weird and out there it's been, yeah. needed an exposition issue. True. I just feel like I read this before bed last night, which probably wasn't the best time to read it, because I felt like it just kept going and going, and and so I maybe needed to read it with fresher eyes. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I necessarily liked all the explanations. Well, you know? what's interesting they is were that needed thematically, this and Basketful of Heads are actually hitting a lot of the same themes. It's just that. Mm-hmm. This book from issue one was really kind of shoving them in your face, whereas Basketful of Heads was more about, okay, let's start off as a typical horror story and then kind of yeah. weave them in as we go. 
Uh, whereas this, you know, all the things we were kind of speculating about them losing time, we find out, no, there's straight up men in this town who use this magic water that makes them forget, you know, whatever period of time, depending on how much you give them, to, to using right. it to sexually assault people. That, that's clearly what's been happening. And this, yep. this witch character, uh, like, was almost assaulted, uh, was saved by a patient of this nearby hospital that uh, is for, you know, people's... Mm-hmm. Uh, what does she call it again? Uh, sanatorium, a place for people. Yeah, to... it's a sanatorium, and they they put women there that don't conform, right? Yeah. So this lady that that this lady that saved her identified as a witch, so of course her family put them there. But they also they, the... they mention also uh, gay people are sent in there. Anyone who uh-huh. for the time period especially is was seen as right. being anyone different. that doesn't conform to that you know classical archetype and whatever, and that they force feed them the water to make them forget who they are. And so there's a lot of themes of forcing people to be what they're not. And yeah. it really goes into, you know, the, the history behind that. And, and so how, you've got yeah. this, this dark opening then of this, this attempted assault and her, I mean, you don't see much. It's just like a shadowy figure. It's just done kind of tastefully, but her telling the story is quite dark. And then the big twist of the issue is because later on, once, once uh, her mother dies and, this woman who's rescued her becomes kind of her aunt uh, in the real world, and they find this alternative uh, source that will give you your memories about this alternative natural, you know, magical yeah, thing. The mushroom. The mushroom. Which uh, is mushrooms. She, she gives a, she, you know, she, she takes the mushrooms, and the horror twist of it is for the character here is that this attempted assault wasn't the first time. It had been happening nope. repeatedly, and this was just the time that she got away. This was the time that it right. got, inter- in, you know, interrupted and intervened by this other person. And all of a sudden, all these memories of all these horrible things. So we, we get this talk here towards the end of the issue where, like, all these women who are losing time and the, the men who do, use this in the town are so blatant about it, they don't even put people back in their beds. They just, that, that's why people, because we, back in the issue, I remember talking about, you know, why are they waking up in random places? It sounds sinister, but right. we don't know exactly the context of this. Right. It uh, was all there. We just needed the context. And so slowly, Mikado gives them these. And, and, and that's like, why I feel it feels like a novelist where there's stuff in chapter one that you can look at. And then when you now you know this, you look back at it and go, oh. And then there's okay. the, the moral dilemma here of like everyone should know what's happened to them, but giving people, like flooding them with these memories of these horrible assaults all at once at one time would make them go insane, worse. basically. Yeah, yeah it'd be it, terrific. And, and, and the idea that the men built up this mystery around the town right by like yeah this is, this is a legend that, you know this is something that happens everyone that everyone knows that oh yeah women it all happens to the women no memories it's fine don't worry about it yeah. and everyone it happens to everyone by doing that it, they, they kind of stop people questioning it yeah right. and then of course we find out that some of the the the, 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 the creatures that we've been seeing uh, not not the skinned men. That, that's like the perpetrators from the time. This is what the witch right. did to them. Yeah. But the the sort of deer like creatures and the, the bunny like creatures, they're actually some of the women who couldn't live with the memories they'd got back. And she gave them this kind of like existence, which the, the girls are kind of like weirded by. Is that necessarily the right thing to do? They're not sure, but rightly weirded. Yeah. Like, you know, you want to give them peace and whatnot, but at the same time, maybe turn, turning them into scary creatures. There's, a, there's an argument to the be made by giving them their memories back and then offering them the water freely, being like, do yeah. you want to take this and forget it again, or do you want to live yeah. with the memory? And yeah, I think it, that would have probably been the ideal solution. And this uh, then, so obviously you've got the conformity aspect of it as well, uh, which brings in all these other themes, but you have kind of uh, this this uh, cliffhanger 
uh, at the end. And you also, I mean, you also have the idea that remember, I mean, our two main characters did wake up in the theater in that first issue. Like, what happened to them there? Right. Was yeah. it was it sexual? Was it something else? What's going on? But we end with this this weird cliffhanger where uh, uh, Elle's or sorry, no, it's Octavia's girlfriend that she's had this issue mm-hmm. during the series. Uh, she's went to this thing to hang out with some of the guys, and we actually end in this cliffhanger where they they basically know that they're probably going to assault her and whoever else goes to this thing. Well, that's going to be what happens right. at this party, and they're racing off at the end. So we actually have it's a, more of an action cliffhanger than I, I would have expected from this book, but it does work in the context of what we've discovered about yeah. what happens in this town. Uh, it, it, it's it's a very dark story with a very sort of supernatural twist that uh is is so like th- this is not worried about being subtle or pulling punches this is this is very much just the, the stark reality of this horrible thing that's happening and i think the point of it is that is how much like real things and sometimes in real life feel like they, they should have been like spoken about people should have known people should have spoke up i mean it's easy to bring up an example like weinstein like how many people kind of knew something was going on and never mm-hmm. said anything I, I think it's kind of like a not a metaphor but like a, a, a representation of that kind of idea, that ideology. Like, I mean, how many people in the town have a sense that something's going on, aren't taking part themselves necessarily, no. but maybe have an inkling that something's going on, but just don't question it because they don't want to shake well, the, the shake the boat or right. that. And so there's there's heaven on earth, which is the the resort that got closed down. Mm. And doesn't doesn't L's dad didn't he used to work there? Yes. Yeah, and then. And, and, and that's the other so element makes... as well, is that there was guards at this place that were that knew about right. this and were letting people come people in and use the through. water. Yeah. But and, and not that he was privy to it, but maybe he found something that's why now he's on disability, right? Um because he is I have to, it's been a while since I've you know, because of the the issues between like he's it's not like he's sick with something, right? It's he's physically he can't work, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember specifically what it was, but yeah, maybe this is something where he made a choice because of yeah, what something that he found. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking that, like you were talking about the Weinstein stuff, that people that do speak out against people with power, you know, they end up having to pay a price for it, and that's why it takes so long for justice to be sought. Um, and I'm wondering if if that's part of it is is now that she's she's seen this with her dad and whatnot and that's that's what makes her more prone to fight it you know like i don't know if there's something innate in that family because they're different as well right like both of them they're not only that they're they're uh homosexual right but they're both women of color and this you know middle america town of shutter to think pennsylvania yeah and on top, and top of that they also have this weird supernatural connection just to the ace right. on the cake right yeah. Right. So like everything's on there for them that they're yeah. So no, it's it's really, really good. I just as I'm reading this really really tired and you know, getting all the explanations at one I, time. Joe, kinda I will agree. Me all at once. I, I will agree that know. it felt a bit long winded in the middle. There's a, there's a in the middle portion of the book when the, the witch is telling the story. There's a lot of like how she like met this woman, which obviously is important, but how she kind of grew to right. be friends with her, learned to do some magic, and then how she interested her mother to her, and then her mother went away or died, and then this mm-hmm. woman took care of her. Like there was a lot of steps to that that I felt you could have condensed a bit into just kind of yeah, yeah. That's well, but this is also that first book that I remember not being that thrilled with the first issue, but the more I talked about it with you guys, the yeah. more I came around to it. 
And that's that's kind of the theme of this book is the more that you, we can, I don't want to say pick it apart, but decompress it. Break it down. And yeah. Break it down. Fact, the more, you know, I mean, again, this was more in your face with it, but at the same time, it's kind of a, one element that's kind of similar to Basketful of Heads is that it's got this supernatural weird horror thing where all these weird things are happening but ultimately once we get down to it and we find out what's going on the actual real scary part is actually really very real and very it's, it's the men yeah. yeah 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 it's the it's a town that's been corrupted by these men doing horrible horrible things and it's just become part of that town's culture and they yeah, want to maintain right? it they don't want it to change they want exactly. to keep it in power and, and so on and that society I, that's the struggle of society right with oh, these people definitely. that get the positions of power they don't want to let it go, so they start finding less than you know legal means, I guess, to to keep consolidating it. And and now you have our two heroes, who are two people that have been affected by it, and who aren't part of that system. They're outsiders just by their own personal choices and who they were born as. Yeah, you know, it's it's a really nice if, if there's a stories coming together. If there's a Venn diagram of everything, like these people in power hate. These two, mm-hmm. like they're squarely the in the middle of it. Of yeah. yeah, yeah, they're, they're right yeah. in the middle of all of it. So yeah. it's uh, on the actual storytelling of this issue, the functional narrative. Um, it is a lot of exposition. I feel like it works better than some other exposition issues that we've had. Not even right, you know, right away. Just in general on this show, in that it's not a lot of people sitting around talking, even though that's what no. the narration is. The visuals of the art is really going through this yeah. story in a unique manner, and if, uh, I feel like I'm yeah. getting a lot of. It feels uh, it, it's not it's not show and not tell. It's definitely telling a lot, but it's also showing me a lot of interesting yeah, things it's, too. It feels like it's, a really stereotypical like flashback sequence in a movie where they sort of dress it up with a little bit of style, but it, it's like, it is yeah. But I think the art is unique enough that it the style of that flashback essentially. What is going on in that page with? With the hawk and the rabbit and the eyes, and the... <laughs> oh, that is it a is a match. No, I know, but again, I, I talked about earlier. The more you stare at this thing, the more it doesn't make sense, and the more troubling it is. That's that image. The more I stare at it, the more I start looking at the different pieces of it, and it just, I get overwhelmed, and I and I feel that's the intention. Of yeah, because that's the page of her yeah. remembering, right? Um, right. So yep. That is this overwhelming. It's all these things crashing into her head at once, and yep. you're like that. It, it looks like a, a cacophonous mess of stuff mm-hmm. going on, um, but it, it really works because it's it's such a striking image. And while mm-hmm. it's a mess, it's very clear. I think uh, really strong coloring really breaks down the segments. Like you've got the general face at the top, then you've got you know the the head sticking out the top in the pink with the gazebos, and then you've got the the orange face uh, in hair flowing. You've got the really <laughs> The eyes with the white, uh, the the green on the, the teacup, uh, all these elements uh, really pop out individually to form this cohesive. Matt, make uh, they make this, this cohesive whole of this messy image with all these individual parts that are really well formed just to look at individually. Yeah, and there's as I'm unpacking it a little bit more too. There's something about this was the lady that girl like. They would send them to 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 if you want something to to remember. Yet now she's told the people that might do something about it. So how many people has she told the story to that just kind of were resigned to their fates and didn't do anything? Yet our two know. heroes. I don't, I don't know how many she's told the story to and how many she hey. just gives them the water to forget. 
because it's what they want, what they need. Right. And that's and that's what I mean. Like, is it that now she's told them because these are two people that'll do something about it? Or she told other people in the corruption so bad that these are just the next two. It's kind of like the Matrix, right? When you get to the end, there's there's always a new version of Neo. Whoa, whoa, you know? whoa, 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 I take umbrage with that reference. It's not like the Matrix. That's the Matrix sequels. The original Matrix had nothing to do with that nonsense. Okay, whatever. And I get where that's that, that that's mythological, well, right? That's aside. I, right. I think the, the reference it's just comparison was fair. Thank you. Is this just the, is this just the cycle, re-going, or is this the cycle finally going to be broken, right? As like again, who she told this to? We know that this is who the moms, you know, they know when you want to forget something, go see the witch, or if you want to remember something, right? They know about the mushrooms, or at well, least they, that, that was a, oh, from well, what I remember was a really interesting twist last issue that right. they sent to the witch to remember things. But right. remembering is harder. So she actually just gave them the water to make them forget, forget. that they wanted to remember something. Right. So again, yeah. which was which is her taking away that choice from them. Um, right. I, I assume. I don't know. Maybe I'm being. Right. Well, and it's well, no. And there's there's a thread of of PTSD and survivor's guilt and all this other stuff that's going through. There's a lot of psychological stuff going on here, even to the fact from. And again, I'm no expert, but from things that I've read about how victims of sexual assault, if they're real young, that's kind of their mentality that they're stuck with the rest of their life. So the fact that this girl never ages, she's always the age of, of the assault. Like, yeah. that's powerful. And it's all here on the page, and it just takes a little bit to and, get and going. It really comes together. Like, um, mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a dense read, this issue, especially mm -hmm. more so than any other issue of this series. Yeah. But there is so much in there that, that yeah. is fascinating that yeah. and I kind of almost give it a pass because there is so much to unpack. It's not yeah. just it's not just meaningless fluff. It's not just words for the sake of it. There's, no. there's a lot of actual stuff going on in the uh, the dense well, the, amount of words that there is. The there. backstory of the town, the backstory of the witch, they all tie together. Yeah. And and when I, and I am actively rooting for our heroes. Like if this ends in a horror way, where it's all futile and it's nothing. If I would be so mad. Take the water after all because it just got so bad, which it, would be a valid ending. Like, it wouldn't right. feel like keep out of nowhere, but, but it would be really disappointing because, and not because it would be a bad ending, but disappointing because I want them to be better. Yeah, and like as of the end of issue five, I'm rooting for our heroines to go in there with baseball bats and start kneecapping dudes. <laughs> right? That's the only way to deal with them. I'm sorry. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, but yeah, that, that's what I want to see. Is that probably going to happen? No, because that's not the mature way to deal with problems, I've been told. Um, <laughs> so, I've been told. Yeah. I had to lighten uh, it up. I had to lighten it up a little bit. This got heavy. So, yeah. No, I, I, I like the issue uh, quite a bit. I like everything it's doing, and I like what it reveals. Uh, I do think it felt, I agree with Matt, it felt longer than it was. And I think that does fundamentally mean that something in the, just the writing wasn't as smooth as that maybe it could have been. So I do think that's a valid complaint to make. Because I, I actually questioned at one point, is this a regular 20, you know, 22 page book? Yeah. I actually was questioning, is this like an extra size one? <laughs> and yeah. it wasn't. And that, it wasn't even near the end. I thought that. That was like right in the middle, but it was right in the middle of all the flashback stuff. Yeah. So uh, clearly 
you know, there's maybe a, a complaint to be had there, but uh, everything it's doing in terms of what it's setting up and, and what it's hitting at in the story now is... And I, I was excited by the cliffhanger. Like, you know, I was like, no, go off and, and you know, save people. Kind of thing, so... Uh, all right, uh, Matt, what are you giving Little Woods? 8.5. Connor? Uh, 8.5 from me as well. Yeah, I'll go with straight 8. Uh, like I say, a little bit, felt a bit long, uh, but it wasn't. So, there you go. Uh, right, so uh, we got... Uh, uh, did anyone read Digital First Books this week? Was that a thing? No, I, I did, but I'll let you guys get to your Patreon books, just because, you know... I didn't okay. really get 20, because... Yeah. Um, yeah, books are back. I don't know what I did this week. Yeah, yeah, well, and that's it. There's so many that I almost handicapped myself, being like, no, I'm going to read Superman and Swamp Thing still. And then, oh, man, there's Flash. And oh, Russell's Batman. And it was it was overwhelming. So I read a couple of them, but not all of them. I did read The Flash by Jeff Parker, and it wasn't what I thought it would be. It just felt like they put two annual stories together, and it, it didn't have that same vibe right. as its Simone stuff, which is disappointing. Uh, that, 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 is, that is not a rain endorsement. So it just feels like an annual. <laughs> well, no, they like one of them's Gorilla Grodd taking over the minds of Congress, and they're going to send him to war with Canada, which Barry's like, no one goes to war with Canada. What is going on? So he goes there and, and fights Gorilla Grodd and stuff. And then the, the second story is uh, it involves the corruption of science and all of a sudden, all of the conspiracy theories are true. And Barry being a man of science, so it's stuff, you know, like the Earth is flat and, and all this other stuff. And to Barry, who's a man of science, it's not making sense. Come to find out it's the prankster behind it all, where he's like, no, nah, the old prankster would have would done other things, not me. I'm the new one. And so, but they just, they felt like stories that would have been in like, you know, an annual or a special of some kind uh, and not like, it wasn't up to that level that some of these other ones have been. So that, that was it. Swamp Thing still maintained quality, and Superman, you know, did too. So but those are the ones that I read. All right, cool. All right, well, Connor then uh, will talk about a Patreon book. So the way this works is every month on patreon.com slash TV, uh, some of our patrons at the higher tiers, is, you know, it's a relatively high one, but you can make me or Connor read a book on the show uh, of your choosing. And the book that Connor is reading... Uh, because finally someone decided to go easy on him, is Severed Issue 2. So, take it away. Yeah. Um, I'm just before we get to that, I'm pretty sure... Um, I've got the Snyder book I was reading. Undiscovered Country. Uh, Undiscovered Country, thank you. My, God, names of things tonight not coming to me. Um, I'm pretty sure that's back next month, uh, at least tentatively scheduled for next month. So, I have to see if Tyler wants me to just get back to that, or if he wants me to wait. I, I don't know. Um, but this issue of Severed, if you recall, the first issue was actually kind of split roughly in two. You had the uh, Jack, the, the runaway kid from home, and then you had the stuff with the salesman kind of uh, uh, eating the kid, basically. Uh, yeah. It was it was split pretty evenly. Um, this is uh, a lot more heavily weighted towards Jack. Uh, there's only like a couple of pages dedicated to the salesman. Um so it feels a lot more focused than the first issue, um, which is uh, interesting. Um, but it's basically, it picks up right where we left off with Jack. He's on the train. Um, you know, he had his, his his violin and, you know, stuff stolen from him uh, when he, on the carriage he did get into and, you know, escaped into the into the next one with some other, like, runaway kids. 
Um, but he's not having it. He's like, no, no, no. That's um, the the only thing his dad left him. You know, he, he gives you that reminder of okay, he was he was an orphan. Uh, kind of, you know, his dad dropped him off at his mother's, and she adopted him. Um, so it's this this violin that he left, and uh, a picture of of him uh, playing it with with the, with, with the baby him there. And uh, they're like the only possessions he ran away with, and so he's he's not standing for it. He's going back into. To get it, um, even though he's warned, no, those those guys will just throw you off the track. You, you know, it's there's no point in going for that if if you can't survive, basically. Um, and he gets in some trouble, as expected. But one of the other kids, uh, Sam, um, comes and it comes and gives him a hand and you know, helps out in the end. And you know, uh, in return, because he, he's he offers Sam, it's like, hey, come and help me for for a book. Uh, uh you know. Uh, be great and he's like oh that book's no good for me if, if i get thrown off the train and then get splattered and so i'll do it for some cigarettes though and he's like i don't i don't smoke so i don't have any and after sam does eventually comes and rescues him yes you know, feels bad uh he actually goes back to steal um some cigarettes from them uh for sam here which is the start of this this bonding friendship between them and they uh they finally get to chicago he's completely out of his depth jack is you know he's in the big city, you know, Sam pickpockets him just to prove a point that, hey, you don't know what you're doing. You, I just took this without you knowing, and that's everything you've got gone. Uh, come with me. I, I know a cheap place to, to you know, rent a room, and we'll, we'll get, you know, get cleaned up before we go and find your dad at the, the Majestic Theater. And uh, it, it's while they're in the room, um, you know, uh, th there's the reveal that Sam is actually a, a girl. You know, she's, she's dressed up as a, as a boy because it's safer out on the out on the streets like that. Um, not entirely safe because, you know, she points out, you know, people will do, you know, bad things to, to, to boys as well. And, you know, that's why, you know, Jack was in trouble in this very issue. But it's safer. Um, so, you know, it's like, hey, you know, my name's still Sam. It's just, you know, short for Samantha. And uh, they, they go to the Majestic together and they're like, oh, maybe, maybe that's your dad. Or I don't know. And he goes up to them after the show and they're like, no, I don't, I, I don't know him. Sorry. Um, I've never known a guy uh, by that name to play here. Um, but he does go back inside to the, the, the person who has been playing the club. He goes back inside and checks. And, uh, you know, he, he, he must have been an alternate or something because he did leave a forward and address uh, all the way back in Mississippi. And so they're like, how, how the hell am I going to get there? And, and Sam has this idea. It's like, hey, you play the fiddle. Why don't you just, I'll, I'll be your manager. We'll take a, a 50, 50 cut. Earn some money and we'll take a car, you know, down together. We'll be, that'll be nice. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it for their plot. Uh, it's really straightforward, um, but it's really well written. Uh, the characters both them feel really well rounded and real. Um, and this uh, this bonds relationship they've got going is uh, really well formed in, in basically just this issue. So they had very little interaction in the last one. So it's really solid stuff. And um, the other side of it is is a lot quicker. You have the salesman. Um, have a little follow up of what happened um, at the end of the last issue of a detective come to uh, the nuns and be like, hey, you know, we found this body and there was an, a, you know, a, a name that we think belonged to a boy from here. Could you come and identify the body? And she's like, oh, I can't be him. You know, he, he took an apprenticeship with General Electric. But I'm like, well, can you just come and look anyway? And, like, and he's like, I must warn you, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, we believe this boy may have been cannibalized. And they go down there, and it is the first and one of the only full-page splashes in the whole book 
and it is this gruesomely fantastic image of this boy strung up like on hooks um doing it you know, like hooks in like his, his neck and his arms and then just eating away at various his ribs are on show he's missing most of one leg um like the bones gone everything's just been snapped clean off uh the other leg um like all the all the thigh uh, you know is, is is completely gone like just been eaten away just all the flesh it's just the bone there um, but the but the bottom half of the leg still just been it looks mostly intact. Um, it's this incredibly gruesome image, and it doesn't show you too much. It's like it's all in the shadow. Um, just gives you enough that you can see what's missing, um, but not like not like really grimy details of it either. Um, it's the the page of the issue for sure. It's that incredible uh, moment. Um, but then we have a little follow up to this at the very end. The salesman. Um, He's looking over Jack. He's kind of noticed Jack and uh, and Sam kind of. He's, he's watching them from the alley and then making this agreement to go fifty fifty. He's like, hmm, looking on. Um, but he's often because he's he's runs into someone and it's a salesman. Um, and the reason I call him the salesman is because he doesn't have a, a set name. He was Mister Porter in the first issue, I think, and he he takes a new name here. But even in the uh, the letters page at the back, Snyder just refers to him as the salesman. He is the, the traveling demon. Um, but he goes and runs this guy who's selling phonographs uh, uh, called Alan Fisher and uh, he, sell, he sells phonographs for Victor and uh, so what's your name? and he goes I'm Alan Fisher from Toledo and he you know, repeats it all back to him and uh, he uh, he takes his identity and uh, that's the end of the issue of him you know, kind of, he, he carves a symbol into himself actually, he's like he's kind of like it feels very reminiscent to like a Zaz almost with the way he cuts himself, like mm -hmm. for things that he does, but he marks them. It's not just tally marks. It's an identity. Like he's marked this target with a, he's scarred a little like fiddle into his chest. Um, and he, he talks about how, you know, uh, most music men are a dime a dozen, but you've got a unique voice. Um, like he's sent something for that. You know, this, this kid's going to be a good meal. And he, he marks his meals with an active, symbol of what they're going to taste like a reminder almost this this fiddle here it's not just a, a number like this mm. the imagery of it's very um it reminds me of that quite strongly but it's uh really evocative art this this gaunt creepy face just him looking in the mirror carving this into his chest and you're know, repeating back you know, my name's alan fisher and i work for victor he's you know, leaning into this identity uh, i'm gonna come out in the next issue and uh, that's it. Um, but it's uh, a wonderfully creepy issue, and uh, it does a really good job of setting up the uh, the relationship between uh, Jack and Sam. Um, it's a solid eight. All right. Uh, so for Patreon, then I have American Vampire issue seven to read. Uh, Scott Snyder, of course, and Raphael Albuquerque. Uh, and the last issue was uh, Cash, who we were interested in Vegas. Uh, taking the feds, which obviously one's Felicia Book, uh, to the local kind of the runner of the brothel, who turns out to be none other than Skinner Sweet, and they kind of confront. And obviously, Cash uh, suspects that he is involved in his own father's death, so there's a lot of tension there. And they bring out the prostitute who was with the the murdered person from the last issue, and she's completely naked. Uh, and Cash is kind of pleasant with her. The, you know, he's run into her before. He, uh, the, there's kind of a, a gentle touch here. 
but because Skinner keeps being slimy, uh, Felicia kind of loses her shit and starts screaming at him, knowing full well who he is, because she calls him by his like, alias, but she knows it's Skinner Sweet. She knows exactly who it is, and as we find out later in the issue, Skinner knows who she is too. He can smell book on her, because <laughs> his book's daughter. He can smell the book <laughs> coming from her blood. So, uh, they kind of set this up, and Cash gets really pissed at her, uh, because that was really unprofessional, despite the fact that he has a reason to be furious with him, because he thinks he murdered his father, but he's never lost his shit. His father never lost his shit on the job, because he believed in the law, and kind of reads the right act about it. And she, she notably does seem to actually get affected by this. She, she feels like she did something wrong, she knows she did something wrong by losing her shit and kind of yelling at him. And ends in this really sort of somber note. Uh, and we get this flashback showing Cash with his adopted father uh, not too long before he died because because he, he tells him that his wife's pregnant. So we know this, you know, at most is however many months ago she is pregnant. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't remember off the top of my head how many months she is. She's like seven or eight months pregnant. So it's all relatively recent in the timeline that this stuff's been happening. And, you know, it's all these somber beats of him with her lying in bed and all the rest of it. And Felicia, likewise, with her with her partner, kind of apologizing for losing her shit. Uh, and this is where they mention the vassals. We find out that they're not just feds. They're the, from the vassals, which is this vampire intelligence community. And he points out that, yeah, all of us in the vassals have some kind of grudge. We are, we are, we're all in it because we knew someone who was killed by a vampire or something like that. We all have some personal connection to what brought us to this group. So this is a big bit of mythology building here. But Skinner Sweet shows up in the shadows behind her to let her know that, like, he knows who she is. And that he has an agreement with the vassals. That he is, he's got immunity. He's off limits. And it, it kind of ends, there's a beautiful bit of art here at the end where as he leaves through the curtains, the curtains are kind of flown behind her and she's in shadow and she's just sort of left kind of like, she wants to go after Skinner Sweet, but she can't uh, because he has immunity for helping them with whatever he's helped them with, uh, presumably with the other vampires uh, in, in recent times. So I imagine this is, uh, I, I don't remember when this story comes up, I'm sure it does exactly why he has this immunity. Um, but uh, probably even in this story itself it'll be revealed, because it's been since I read all this stuff for the first time uh, mm-hmm. but th- this page was handled wonderfully, the way he pops out of the shadows, the way she's left standing the, 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 the curtains flowing in the wind uh, just left isolated, and then there's a gorgeous two page spread, it's a really simple two page spread but of the dam, which we've been hearing so much about uh, they go to talk to one of the, the, the people who are building the dam, one of the people who own it and he talks about how this is America's pyramid. This is their 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 you know their monument. That's that's you know everyone cares about it. He says that it's probably one of the workers that killed killed his partner because well you know the you know the slaves didn't like the pharaohs that much in Egypt, and they point out this is a ridiculous comparison. They're workers, not slaves. Uh, you're paying them, uh, you know at least as fair as a wage as you could get in the time period, I assume, and. They, they kind of get, get mad at him and they show him the, the crime scene photo of like what happened to the, the, his partner and his partner the, the guy goes white as a sheet and he's like I have to go for a moment I'll be back and he goes to make a phone call and it becomes clear that he knows what vampires are because whoever he's calling is a vampire he's like hey my partner was killed he was drained I saw the crime scene photo this is a vampire and whoever this vampire is on the other end of the phone who's you know it's in complete shadows you don't get to see it like he tells tells him like, okay, we've sent our own people. They should be arriving there tomorrow. But by the time the phone call's ending, 
this vampire killer, whoever murdered the first guy, shows up and kills him. And the others outside, uh, Cash and the and and Felicia and the other guy, they they hear the scream and they're complaining that oh he's probably talking to someone on the phone that we should probably question. They open the door and he's he's dead. Like whoever it is has already fled. He's gone. Which obviously Skinner is still a suspect because we know Skinner can travel in the daytime because this is broad daylight when this right. all happens. So Skinner is still a suspect, but they are here is wonderful because it's, it's got the thing where they've opened the door and like the harsh daylight comes into this really dark office. So you see like just the, the the perfect like rectangle of light in the wall, but with their shadows in it, uh, it's it's it's, it's perfectly atmospheric. Uh, and the contrast between the daylight and like this this little tiny dark room is wonderful. And Cash gets really upset. He's like, "You guys clearly know something. You're not telling me. You have to tell me what's going on, or I'm going to start you know, you know, breaking skulls." And Felicia's like, "Look, uh, Chief McCogan, like." what do you know about vampires? And it kind of, so it's, it sets up that they're going to tell him. I, I assume he's not going to believe them immediately in the next issue. Uh, I don't remember if he does, but it feels like it's something he's going to really doubt and question. And maybe by the end of the issue, maybe he'll believe that. That might be the main story of next issue. But there is an epilogue. There's an epilogue to this particular issue, which is presumably two members of the vassals, although I, I'm just assuming that, roll up in a car, one's got a crossbow, they're at a house uh, in California, and... They're like, okay, so, you know, is this her? And the guy says to the woman, he's like, just make no mistake about it. And then we see Pearl from the first arc. She's with her husband. Uh, he's got a guitar on his back and everything. They're, they seem to be having a happy little, you know, life in the, you know, out by the ocean. They're, they're living their life, quite happy. But the caption reads, Pearl Jones may be the most deadliest vampire on earth. So I don't know if this is them coming after her because they think she needs to be taken out or if they're coming here to try and recruit her to go after whatever's happening in Vegas. Like, I, I don't know exactly where this is. Like, I can't remember. I've read this before, but I don't remember. I'm actually kind of excited about finding out. Uh, but because obviously we had the whole, the previous issue and then all, pretty much all of this one, barring this last two pages with no peril, that it's kind of a big deal seeing her at the end here. I, I almost wish we went a whole arc without her just to like really like hit me when she does come back like oh yeah she's still in the, the time frame here because you know mm-hmm. we're, at, we're we've moved ahead in time but not that much like you know it's only a decade later uh if that so it's uh it's exciting to bring her back out of the story i'm, I'm curious to see how she fits back into this uh but i you know i i think it's kind of a downbeat issue because it's mostly kind of the the tension between all the parties involved of like where they are like how they feel about each other and building a little bit of mythology but the ending is expertly handled. The end of the damn stuff with the murder of the other, the other, uh, like dam owner or builder, or whatever his correct title would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's handled perfectly in the art. It's wonderful. Albuquerque's stuff here, and that's in broad daylight, so it handles things really well. And then the, the Skinner showing up to talk to Felicia was also phenomenal. So, uh, really good building the story, building all the stuff. The art still atmospheric as shit and uh like i say there's something so exciting about the way this this book moves through its time periods because the vampires are immortal so we can keep going ahead in time uh it's, it's almost like you know i'm not going to say he's definitely inspired by the hit television show buff of the vampire slayer but that show and angel that show and angel both had these flashback episodes occasionally of the, of the character the vampire characters in different time periods and i almost wonder if that was part of the inspiration here we said no what if we actually just went through it sequentially jumping from you know this decade to that decade to this decade because that's kind of what the book is each arc is on a, on a new decade so uh no i dig it but at the same time building this greater mythology of what the vampire ecosystem is 
in the US and in the world at large. Uh, so, super cool. Uh, uh, I, I would rate this quite comfortably like an 8.5. I, I think, I mean, the, the book's not really had a disappointing issue yet. I, I will say, I do like that we've moved away from having the backups because the backups meant that the main story was shorter and I did feel those chapters well very good, felt a little short-changed. And I think this issue and the last issue feel a bit fuller as a, as a main course, as, as the main reason why I'm here to read the, the book. So, uh, and I like the backup, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think I said this last time, I almost, or maybe the time before when I actually finished that part, that I almost wish it was just a separate miniseries uh, that came out at the same time or afterwards or, or whatever. Uh, but that said, it is important that it did get told before this arc. I, I think there's so much context for, for what Skinner's origin is that plays into kind of where he is now that this is important. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, 8.5 for me uh, on that book. Uh, so that is all the books uh, that we're going to talk about today. Uh, this takes us to the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and top five. And for the first time in a while, we actually can give a top five uh, of the books. Connor's about to be a little whiny. No, I've got five. Oh, uh, yeah, because he's like, oh, it's not really five because I don't really like this one. Uh, you know what he's like? Well, if it's below like a certain score, it shouldn't be on it. Same. Yeah, if you're doing like a top list in general, sure, but like you're just ranking this week's books. That's not it's not good enough. The point is is that Why if is number... everything an argument with you two, I swear. Hey, I didn't start this. <laughs> the point is is that bad. if the number five book is bad, then that's an indicative of how the week was. So that, that that says something in and of itself. There's a purpose to it. Only having three says more. <laughs> Alright. Moving on. Yes, Matt, would you like to give your panel slash moment of the week? Yeah, so there's a bunch I could choose from. Um, How many of them are from Suicide Squad? A lot, but there's also some in Basket and um, maybe Aquaman, but it's going to be from Suicide Squad. And I'm going to take the Ted Cord revealed because that was literally jaw-dropping for me. I was not expecting it in the slightest. Yeah, that's a fair pick. Can't really argue with it. I'm also picking something from Suicide Squad. That's that's not that's not kid ourselves. I, I I would, I think I will go. I think before we talked about, it, I might have picked the first head explosion with the gunshot because it could because mm-hmm. of Deadshot's choice. But I think I'm leaning towards the second explosion now because the more emotional goodbye. Like actually looking at the panels and analyzing how it's handled in the art, I think I'm going to go with that over the over the the, the actual head shot as opposed to the head explosion. But uh, I'll be my pick, Connor. That's fair. Uh, both great choices. Um, Ted might have been mine if I'd gone first. As it is, I'm actually going to pick the first headshot explosion, but for a, a reason in the sense that by censoring it, it actually sets up the second one to be more impactful than it would have been. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, oh, this is, you know, it, is a, it was a funny beat in itself when you read it, but then in context of later of how that actually makes the second one land even better. Uh, I think it's uh, it's deserving of, of highlighting for that reason. Yeah, sure. Uh, all right, uh, so best cover of the week. Connor, what you got? Uh, let me have a quick look at covers. Um, oh, there's some nice ones. Uh, oh, there's two two really good Aquaman ones. Aquaman's not fair. He's got a Sejic cover and a Tyler Kirkham cover that are both pretty great. Yeah, I'm actually, for some reason, Diamond's loading really low, slow for me, but 
I think I might really like the Suicide Squad variant, but I've not seen all of it yet. I've only oh, got... the, the Suicide Squad variant is really nice. I've only got an arm so far, but I get the, <laughs> I get the impression that it's going to be really uh, good. Wait, which arm? The top arm or the or the left? Top arm. It's going from okay. top to bottom. I've got okay. a face now. This is looking pretty lately for my pick. Now that I've seen yeah, a that face. Is, that is really nice. <laughs> I, I, I would like to give a shout out as well to uh, uh, Dan Mora's Justice League cover. Uh, I think that's really nice, that variant. Yeah, uh, I will confirm I'm definitely picking the Suicide Squad variant, which is notable because it's a Cedric cover. Uh, but uh, Matt, what are you picking? Well, I don't know. I'm not looking at Diamond because I thought we weren't looking Sorry, at Diamond did, anymore. Did you just yeah. say the Suicide Squad was a Cedric cover? No. No, okay. I said it was it notable because there's a Cedric cover this week, and I oh, didn't okay. pick I it. Oh, I think because that is a Cedric cover, and I was no, like, no. what? No, it's notable that there was one, and I didn't pick it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yes, Matt. Um, I'm going to go with the Lola Woods cover. There's a lot going on there. Um, and after reading it, the the fact that there's a, a stream of water going into nothingness really... Yeah. Yeah, hmm. really, really hits a chord. Yeah, no, that is nice. Um... I'll go with the the Cezic Aquaman in the end, I guess. Uh, I really like having like the, uh, the the water spirit woman kind of uh, framing that around there. Um, I think it gives it a nice touch. That's fair. I was why adding a little shout out to the basketful of heads variant, which has the axe framed in such a way that it looks like she, she either has a mohawk or it's representative of like a like a battle helmet because of the way it's like sort of because it's Damn like a, it. It's a profile I shot. I could have seen that one. <laughs> it's a profile shot, and she's got the axe sort of resting on her shoulder, but because of where it's resting, it makes Matt, this... I'll send it to you so you yeah. can see it. Yeah. Okay. Stupid so... diamonds that take forever to load. I, took, I, I had to wait for the... I was actually giving you a play-by-play of me seeing the image loading. Yeah, yeah you guys do uh, talk about this every so often with diamond being really slow, and I never have that problem. Oh, for me, though, uh, Comixology is that site where it will just... For some reason, just stagger its loading for whatever reason. That kind of never has a problem for me for whatever oh, reason. There, there it is. No, I see it. it. It's good, but I think I'm going to stick with. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I, just, I want to give it a show. Okay. I don't want to pick it. Just, but yeah. I, I, I thought it was cool enough that, to mention. That's, uh, Gabriel Rodriguez. Is that um, who worked on Lock and Key? Because the name sounds familiar. I have no idea. I've never read it. I don't know. I don't know. It, just, it, it feels like. A, 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 yeah, it is. So that'll be why. Okay, final variant. Oh, of, the Lola of Woods film. variant was good too. Yeah, uh, the, the prison one. Well, I think yeah. we've all picked, so we could we could move on to best art of the week then. Uh, Connor. That's Suicide Squad. Yeah, Suicide Squad, Matt. <laughs> Suicide Squad. There you go. All right, top five of the week, Matt. You can go first. Number one is Suicide Squad. Number two is Basketball Heads. Number three is Lola Woods, four is Aquaman, and five is Supergirl. Okay, Connor. Suicide Squad, um, Lola Woods, Aquaman, Basketball of Heads, Justice League. Okay, Suicide Squad's number one, obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. Number two... Um... Basketball of Heads, number three, Aquaman, number four, Lola Woods, number five, Supergirl. There you go. Easy peasy. Uh, so that is our top five books of the week. Uh, I'll tell you what's coming next week, uh, which, and again, it's kind of weird right now because some of the physical books are being delayed at comic shops and whatnot. Uh, so some stuff that we did talk about this week may actually be next week for you if you're just getting them physically. But uh, what's coming next week in terms of what we'll be talking about, plus what else is scheduled for next week officially uh, Detective Comics 1022, 
Uh, Action Comics 1022. Oh, they've lined up. Uh, Detective's going to pull ahead in a minute, actually, because th- that's going to be double shipping occasionally. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, Word of Women 756 is out next week, as is Justice League Dark 22. We got Batman Superman number 9. Shazam issue 12 is out. Catwoman 22. Uh, John Constantine Hellblazer issue 6. Far Sector issue 6. The Birds of Prey one-shot is finally hitting uh, the, the comic book stores. All 96 pages of it. Oofed. Uh, speaking of next six pages, Catwoman 80th anniversary special number one. <laughs> I don't even know if I care anymore. I, I'll I be know. honest. I think I want to read that more than I do the Birds of Prey one shot. But I mean, sure. Well, I mean, no. I'm gonna read the Birds of Prey one shot at I'm some not. point, but I'm not gonna read it for the show. I don't have time. To, you know, I'm not gonna schedule in. Oh, here's a hundred page issue. Sure. That I need. It's, that's a graphic novel essentially that I'm sitting down to read. I'll read that just on my own time. Yeah. Uh, but we got a Catwoman special, uh, we have Event Leviathan Checkmate issue 1, which is probably my most anticipated of the yeah, week, buddy. I would say. Uh, and that's, that's, that's it. So that is what's coming next week. Obviously we don't cover all those books, some of them we just don't read, but uh, that is what's coming next week, so you can look forward to that. Uh, so that basically wraps up the show. This is kind of the time where I will plug you a couple things. Uh, I will tell you to support the show. You can like on YouTube, which is super important. It lets YouTube know you recommend this to other people and may, they may do so because of that. Uh, you can support us financially over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month. Uh, the $5 tier specifically gets you access to the show a day early uh, as well as previously. And you get to vote occasionally on, on new books for previously as well. Uh, if you don't know what previously I'm, I'm talking about is, previously in the multiverse is our sister show where me and Carl work our way through classic DC runs. And uh, that's actually kind of changing how it's getting presented on YouTube because we have a Comics from the Multiverse channel, which we mentioned at the start of the show, uh, where it's going to just be split up. This show is also being split up for that channel, but the, the full podcast is still going to exist. Uh, and the full previously is still going to exist in audio format as well. So uh, if you listen to it that way, it's still staying the same. Don't worry about it. But... Uh, go to Patreon. I'll take this time as well to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to David Sharp, Tyler Hess, Alison M. Fordyce, and Cindy Palacios. Uh, they're all twenty dollars or above patrons, so they get the producer credits. Uh, so we do all that. Get us on Twitter at DC Comments Podcast. In fact, someone just tweeted something really nice about us, which I just retweeted out. Oh, nice. Uh, so go go there and uh, you know join in the conversation. Uh, you know, ask us things or yeah. whatever. I don't yeah. know. What do people do on um, Twitter? Share memes. And, and, real, and real quick, uh, last week I was on uh, a friend of mine's Star Wars thing podcast, Octo Radio, and we did a a brief discussion on Solo and a commentary. So if that's something that you'd want to listen to, uh, listen to me ramble about my favorite Star Wars movie, uh, it's out there. Do I bleep that entire thing so you just hear my voice? No. A week ago I was like, bleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll just keep saying Octo Radio <laughs> at random spots. So you're gonna make it w- real hard for yourself. I'm just I'm just cracking a joke because it's Star Wars, Matt. That's all. I know, but it's something I can see you doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, yes, yes. Go check if you like Star Wars and you want to hear Matt talk about yeah. Star Wars. Go check out uh, Athletes Foot Radio, whatever it's called. Athletes uh, Foot Octo. Uh, yes. So that is uh, that is the show. That is episode two hundred four. Uh, to get the number right here finally at the end of the show. Uh, so, yeah, let us know what you thought of the books this week. And keep following along, and we'll see you next time. It's been a pleasure. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Pete really loves Star Wars.